Chelsea, you ready? He wants you to be ready so bad because then I'll stop making small talk. <laughs> California. Keeping up with the Coens, an OC box set rewatch podcast. Hello and welcome back to Keeping Up with the Coens, episode number seven. We have done this for seven weeks in a row and we are still plowing through season one of the OC. We're here to take on the summer disc, I believe. Someone just told me it was that and I think they're right. Uh, my name is Ryan Drake coming to you from the great state of Oklahoma and I'm joined as always by my two best friends in the world and I want to start off by saying hello to Chelsea Trinidad. Hey guys, um, I'm feeling a little uh, l- less confident than normal. I feel like I'm the weak leak on the team. Every single week I have technical difficulties and the boys just kind of like tap their foot at me. <laughs> But then it's fine because Dylan has his uh, comic book moment and like me and Ryan go and like, you know, take a nap or do drugs or something. So, you know, it all balances out. Just as long as I'm always the one that's just I'm always the one that's like neutral. Like I've never had any problems. I'm I'm perfect on this show. So we're good. Well, you're Um, a professional host. You're like, I mean, Dylan are noobs at this. So Dylan is 100 percent not a noob. He's (laughs) got more podcast experience than both of us combined. Okay, valid point. (laughs) With that said, with that said though, if I never introduce him, maybe he won't talk, and you and I could just do the whole show. Oh my god, that's a great idea. Maybe we should test it out. So, anyways. all right, let's get into it. Here we go, episode number <laughs> seventeen. Oh god, <laughs> can't not Yo, talk. If he, if he doesn't not talk for a minute, he like dies. Dylan, how are you? Hey, you know, I'm great. I'm really great. I uh, and I want you to know that for all of the hate that the comic book minute gets. Uh, I kind of do it for the same reason that bands play their new stuff at concerts, because I want to give the listener a chance to go to the restroom um, in the middle of the podcast without having to pause it. Um, So I'm actually performing a service. Speaking of services, I just have to say that, you know, we read, um, we print out and read every single review that we've gotten. And I would like to personally apologize (laughs) to one of our to one of our listeners, because I'll actually pull up the review um, because I just want to make it clear that I apologize. I believe I believe it was my friend Robin yeah. who used to be my barista at Starbucks. So she's moved on to to greener pastures since then. Not well, she didn't die; she's still alive. In that case, Robin, I would <laughs> like to order one grande. I am so sorry for my Sandy Cohen imitation <laughs> with an extra pump of classic. Um, but. Mm. It says the podcast we didn't know we needed, but I might have to drop a star if there's any more Sandy impressions. So oh I God. have been put on probation by Ryan, and right. um, I am no longer doing Sandy Cohen impressions. And I hope that uh, that we remain a five star podcast for you, Robin. Um, and thank you for listening. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Gang, gang, gang. Uh, let's let's get started and talk about this because there's some. There's some great episodes and there's some terrible episodes on this disc. It's yeah, dense. let's get into this five-star podcast, if you will. Um, <laughs> we're going to start with episode number 17. So the first two episodes of this disc are actually, I think, really good. And I think I mentioned in a previous episode that I usually skip the Oliver stuff because it's always so cringe to me when I do rewatches. So this is all like stuff I hadn't seen in so long. And uh, I was really good to like watch it again after like 15 years. Um, episode 17, The Rivals. Feature Sandy Cohen on screen for nine minutes and 45 seconds. Dylan, what else do we need to know about The Rivals? The Rivals originally aired on January 21st, 2004 to 12.72 million viewers. 
insane. Wow. And it's written, written by Josh Schwartz. But I think 12.72 million is a record for the first season, at least thus far. Am I right? It's the most we've had so far. And if we remember where we left off on the last on the last uh, episode, it was was there there was a big cliffhanger, right? We were, oh, it was it was Oliver outside the window. Oh yeah. No, that's not. We left off on the links. Oh yeah, you're right. No, this ended with Marissa spending the night with Oliver and Ryan just being chill about it. Well, yeah. Oh, chill, but leaving. Yeah. Weird. This ended, with, this ended with Oliver's fake suicide attempt. This is it's been a week since we watched these episodes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Forgive us. Yeah. Um so yeah, we're getting kind of we know something's up with Oliver that he was clearly faking the suicide attempt, which I which is why I think a lot of people were tuning in to see it because they knew there was some bullshit afoot. <laughs> so, the rivals. Uh-oh, everyone. Uh-oh. <laughs> Ryan continues to become suspicious of Oliver when he suddenly transfers to Harbor High and begins making plans of his own with Marissa. But Ryan's attempts to try and expose Oliver of the person that he is gets met with negative approval from everyone, especially Seth, Jeez. leading to a familiar situation. Summer shows off her new boyfriend, Danny, to Seth and Anna, who correctly think that Summer's just showing off to satisfy her own ego. Meanwhile, Sandy and Tate prepare to sign the lease papers to build their own seafood restaurant, The Lighthouse, but Tate doesn't know if he's ready for this new business venture. I just need you to know that I changed uh, Jimmy to Tate in real time on these reads, and I just I feel like I deserve some recognition for yeah, that. Yeah, that's like uh, you know patting your tummy and rubbing your head at the same time. It's five-star chunking right there. <laughs> yeah, this is why we're the five-star podcast. Um, I've got this broken down into a couple of uh, different plot lines. I'm going to start with Oliver, Ryan, and Marissa. So we begin at high school, at uh, Fancy Pants High School. Um, Seth thinks Ryan is jealous of Oliver and tells him that he needs to just embrace the friend. And embrace the friend is a theme that we will see a couple times throughout this episode. Uh, so Ryan does. He talks to Marissa in the hallway, and he tells her that he it's it's great. Everything's great. He's your friend, and he'll be my friend. And the it's great line was particularly pretty good because nothing's ever great to Ryan, I feel like. He's being really reasonable, though, because one thing that I tried to do on this rewatch is kind of track the approaches that Marissa was taking with the Oliver situation and that Ryan was taking during the Oliver situation to figure out who was being the more, I don't know, adult and reasonable. And I wrote out Ryan's lines because I really do think he's doing his best. He's saying, if he's your friend, he's my friend. I can't promise you I won't be weird about it. That's some really forward thinking adult stuff, which, you know, of then, of course, has Oliver walking up at Harbor High right after that line. But I think that Ryan is approaching this in a very adult way at this point. At this point, yes. By the end mm -hmm. of the episode, not so much. But <laughs> uh, Ryan and Marissa are making out in the hallway when suddenly the guy, he looks like Dean Pelt from Community. He's just some <laughs> random ass like, teacher pops out and introduces them. He looks like Jim Rash. Uh, introduces them to Oliver because Oliver has apparently transferred to Harbor High School. Not only has he transferred, but he and Marissa apparently have the exact same schedule. That was so cringe. It really was. Oh, my God. Look, and I know this gets answered, but they made a huge deal out of Ryan getting into Harbor and, like, all that he had to go through. But Oliver is just allowed to waltz in. And we, we know that he has a background. At least later in the episode, we know he has a background. And I just feel like, I feel like Dr. Kim really screwed the pooch on this one. Well, and more frustrating is that he, he was arrested two weeks prior to this. Dylan, it's very dark in your house, by the way. Um, I like the darkness. Great band. I, um, <laughs> I believe in a thing I, I love. I hate you. I, hate I you. think that... <laughs> this, this episode, I hate you, not the other way around. <laughs> 
Wow, big moment for us. This is our this is our backwards Christmaka like alternate universe episode. No, um, I think I think we need to get through these first two episodes, but then have like a debrief in between where we really yeah. go into Oliver and the whole situation because I have a lot of questions that remain unanswered after watching this. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, we see Ryan doing his homework in like the coffee shop area of high school. And Oliver shows up, and Oliver, I believe this is still his first day of school, and Oliver says he's so behind already. Does junior year ever get any easier? Ugh. Oh, my gosh. Oy vey. Um, oh, my God. Apparently, he says junior year. Ryan thought he was a senior. Our group is are all sophomores, right? Yes. Yeah, but they kind of age them like a soap opera, and they behave as though they are juniors, but... For TV's sake, oh, wait, no, just kidding. They were actually sophomores. But yeah, they feel like juniors. But there's a weird scene regarding Oliver's credits, which again, we can get into this later. I don't fully understand it. But from my my understanding, Oliver is a junior at Newport, but he would have been a senior had he stayed at Pacific. And he was only a semester. Like, they're in the spring semester now because it's Mm -hmm. after the holidays. Mm -hmm. He would have graduated like in a couple of months had he stayed at Pacific, but for what, but for some reason his parents said, no, you're going to go to another, another school where you have to go for an extra year. I guess I don't fully get it. We'll get into it later. Yeah. Ryan asked him like, why, well, why did you, why did your parents want you to, to leave that school or why did you come here? And Oliver reveals that there was some sort of incident. Um, I wrote that Ryan gets, I wrote, this is my favorite Ryan is smug coffee, Ryan. Cause he says there's an incident and Ryan like kind of leans back and holds his coffee and gets real, gives him like the squinty eyes and just goes like, what kind of incident? I wrote notes about that because I don't understand why. Okay. Why did Oliver reveal that there was an incident to Ryan? First of all, second of all, like did the incident just happen a couple weeks ago? Like where had he been going to school at the last six months? So this is what we need to get into later, I think, because what Dr. Kim reveals that um, I think the incident was that he slid his wrists yeah. at the bathroom at Pacific. But Dr. Kim said it was like two years ago. That's We'll get into all this later. Because yeah, it just it doesn't make any sense. Like, has he been homeschooling? Like, I don't. What if the people listening at home are like, it's pretty obvious, you morons, <laughs> and we're the three of us just don't get it because we're, we're dumb. Or, or what if they're like, it doesn't matter. It's TV land. Why are these people like. I also so have a very simple explanation for all sure. of the Oliver stuff. Yeah, he's making it up. But it was in his file, though. No, no, like, no. I'm that... not the incident. I'm talking about like all the credits thing, and if he's a junior or a senior, and why his parents wanted oh, right, to right, go right. there. I think the dude's just making all of it up. But as far- we, well, yeah, we yeah. can get into it because I think that's a bigger conversation. Yeah, we'll get into it. Um, Hold on, wait. There's something very, 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 very important that we didn't touch on. There's a new Tate Donovan picture in the intro. <laughs> Oh, is there? I didn't yeah. know this. Yep. I didn't even know. I skipped the intros. It's a brand new picture of Tate in the intro. He's you know, We've changed the actual background part. From, Chelsea's really losing it over from this. The, from the cotillion to... to the, from the, from, I'm silent laughing. Just, no, he looks really good. Wow. Chelsea. It's good lighting. Need you to pull it together. Okay. <sighs> Oh, All right. But yeah, okay. go back and shout watch out it. To Tate, shout right. out to Tate Donovan. Yeah, yeah I guess I need our to. Our Instagram um, friend. Our our friend, Tate. So there was an incident. Ryan asked him some questions. Nothing ever really gets answered. Um, Oliver also, also reveals that he needs Marissa to help him with his French, even though he lived in Paris for a year. Come on, dude. And apparently, sweet-talking my way into a club at the age of 13 isn't the same as conjugating the infinitive, which, again, just reeks of douchiness. Yeah. That's Josh Schwartz um, writing for you. 
That's facts. Um, so Seth and Ryan are hanging out playing video games. Um, Seth is trying to talk to Ryan about his thing. We'll get to that in a minute. Ryan doesn't care. He wants to talk about Oliver. <laughs> Seth eventually just tells him, why don't you just break into the file room as a joke? But Ryan doesn't take it as a joke. He takes it as a dare. And so he does it. He shows back up to high school again. The security guard just lets him in. And he finds Oliver's file. I don't. Do, do high schools have files like this, by the way? No, I don't think that they did because they always scare you and say it's going on your permanent record. But were there records? I never saw any evidence of these things. There's I mean, a lot of kids lawyer. that would be a very big file room. I don't know. I think I think it was bullshit. I never had a permanent record that you know merited stuff to go on it. But like, I think there really is like a student file for everybody. I would assume there is. You'd think that like I, I assume Jinx would have one because it's massive. Um, just like, you know, if, I mean, hell, I don't know. It's like an elementary school. You got to have records to make sure all the kids are up to date on their shots and stuff like that. Now, I don't know if it's like a big file room, like a Watergate style thing, like Ryan got into, (laughs) but I think that there are some student records, you know, maybe highlighting their credits and all that stuff that may or may not transfer when they, you know, go to Pacific, but I, uh, I was really excited about Ryan snooping because we see the return of Ryan Atwood's bike. And I have a theory. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I have a theory that he's a good boy until he gets on his Chino bike and he remembers all of the bad boy things that he does. So I wrote a note in my notes to say Ryan's bike makes him do bad things. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I don't think this is the music moment. But uh, oh, I no, really love I that, any, that. <laughs> anytime Ryan does something sneaky, his bike is involved and come into our room by clinic is involved. So it's like a little music a good motif yeah. that lets us know like, oh, there's something afoot. Like, yes. I love it. Yes. And so uh, the return of Ryan's bike and, um, of course, come into our room by clinic, an absolute bop for going through <laughs> school files. So he gets into the file room. He opens Oliver's file and like reads something, a confidential letter that's just on top. It says confidential, um, which is none of this. Again, I mean, it makes sense, but it doesn't make sense, if you know what I mean. The security guard catches him, and next thing we know, he's being disciplined by Dr. Kim. Um, it's Sandy, Kirsten, and Ryan all talking to Dr. Kim. She gives him detention for the foreseeable future. Gives him the D. Um, she gives him the big old D. Ryan is concerned. He thinks Oliver's like stalking or obsessed with Marissa, but no one believes him. It's gotten to a point now where they're kind of putting it back on Ryan. Like, yeah, some strange dude shows up out of nowhere, has does some weird things. Like, it's kind of <laughs> shitty, honestly. Like, it really is shitty for Ryan that like clearly no one is on his side. Did you notice how how heavy handed Dr. Kim was being in the meeting with Sandy, Kirsten, and Ryan with the comparisons between Ryan and Oliver? Because I know we kind of talked about that in the previous episode about how you know. It might not necessarily be that weird because the same thing happened with Ryan, but Dr. Kim is basically saying, you know, this isn't the first time we've accepted an outsider with a troubled past and then like pauses mm-hmm. for a beat and stares at Ryan and then turns back to Sadie and Kirsten and keeps talking. I, uh, I'm really glad that, uh, that that was emphasized, but I felt like it was really, really emphasized. Yeah, but it's also, it's also kind of shitty because they've painted it in such a perfect situation that, like, you can't help but kind of agree with him, but also we know that it's not the truth, I guess. Yeah. I guess, I mean, that's just good TV writing. Yeah, I mean, it was just, he's clearly being, um, I mean, he's being gaslit by Oliver, but the rest of the people, I just can't imagine being so frustrated because you see something and no one else is seeing it. We under we we find out that the letter that Ryan read was something about Oliver cutting his wrist over a girl. And Sandy and Kirsten asked Dr. Kim, is that true? And she says, yes, it was two years ago, at, but he's been institutionalized since then. And that's why he's now at Newport. 
Harbor, which I don't understand at Harbor, which I don't understand, but they discipline Ryan at home. There's some top tier dad stuff going on here with, oh, with yeah. Sandy. He really, he really laid it down. Uh, he was like, you can't help Marissa because you can't even help yourself. And then Ryan just like goes into his full on just like, like poor me. Oh, I screwed up. But they reaffirm that they are not giving up on him. He's a part of this family. They're going to wish that he's going to wish that they had like, like thrown him back out on the streets or something like that. Ryan sits alone in the pool house in the dark, which was very strange. There's nothing it's, it's strange kind of like, about sitting in the dark. Yeah, I was going to say, kind of like Dylan at his house, uh, just sitting alone in the dark. Seth comes in. Um, it was kind of a funny moment because you don't really think about You ever have parents when you're like your parents would like get mad at like your friends if your friends did something shitty and your parents would like get onto them? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. or they, yeah, they'd be like, that's a bad, like you, you, you can't hang, hang out with that bad apple. And you always just kind of felt weird about it afterwards. Yeah, I mean, they would yeah. never like confront my friends directly, but like my friends would leave, and then you'd get like that that the same kind of foot shuffling, and you know the way that the feet are moving that you're about to yep. have a talk, and then it's like, can we talk about something that Ryan said? I don't think that he's very respectful, and I don't want him in my house anymore. I, I definitely had my mom like get, like directly go in on my friends for being shitty or doing something shitty and that's what i kind of felt like seth had to feel like in this moment because he comes over to the pool house and he's like i overheard slash i was eavesdropping and my parents are pretty mad at you right like that was that was kind of funny my mom did break up a fight a fight my two friends were wrestling and my mom sprayed them with a hose to get them to stop does that count oh my god that's hilarious i i had like a little eighth grade party and one of my friends was dating this guy who was just like kids bop party like Oh, yeah, total kids pop rager. Um, dating this guy who uh, my, my my friend's mom just hated. And my friend's mom drove over to our house and came into our house and yelled at the kid and made him go home. And he was kind of like, this isn't your house. You're not and my mom. It, it was one of, no, it was one of those situations where it would be like, you know, my mom. But he was literally like, this isn't your house. And, like, I just mad respect. And I feel like even my parents, like, overheard it. And they were like, he's kind of right. Like, <laughs> he's being respectful. He said hello. Like, he threw away his trash. I don't know. It weirdly reminded me of that. Anyways, I digress. Bar. Back to the OC. Ryan did not throw away his trash. So he got in trouble with Seth's parents. <laughs> um, but So Seth comes over to the pool house. Ryan's alone in the dark. And uh, at one point, so the previous scene, I forgot to mention, um, Ryan is now spying on Marissa. He sees her in the hallway. And this is where Ryan starts to, I feel like, lose lose it a little bit. He sees yeah. her. He sees Oliver hand her a letter. She puts it in her locker. So now we're at the pool house. It's dark. Ryan is is turns the light on Seth there. They're talking, and he pulls the letter out. And Seth gets way too offended over this. I I could not get over that. Like if my yeah. friend had done that, I'd be like, wow, that's kind of shitty. But you know, let's read it. Well, did it. I kind of right, like let's see what's it doing it. If you like saw a note on the floor and it was folded like a note, you would pick it up and read it. At least Absolutely. I did. Whatever. It might be about you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He literally Seth literally says to Ryan, "Stop it! You're in enough trouble already." And that's when I was like, "Fuck off, Seth!" Like, ugh, God, don't even. This is where his like loner loser dork side comes out. Like, and he's like, "It's also a federal crime," and no, it's not. It wasn't mailed. Um, but that's not <laughs> interesting. Resident lawyer. That. Yeah. Yeah. Pod lawyer. Now we go to Seth's room. Um, it's New Amsterdam's time, Dylan. Yes. Spoils the oh. spoils of the spoilt. Oh, music that moment is such of the episode. I promised you I would let you I would let this be the music moment of the episode. Oh, thank you. Thank you. This this more than any other band was the band that I first heard on the OC and then got into and I still listen to Worse for the Wear. 
Um, it's an amazing album. You should all check it out. And I didn't realize until after I was a New Amsterdam's fan for a while that it was the same guy as the Get Up Kids. And I'm like, oh, that makes sense. They sound the exact same. I actually didn't know that either. You just blew my mind. But you really, <laughs> we, are, we really are role reversing in this episode, aren't we? Uh, <laughs> That's my music moment. This is the part where I like really kind of like was upset because at this point, Ryan has read the letter. It's a love letter. It, it We don't know yet that it's quote unquote for Natalie. So we can only assume that like he's, he says she's in, he's in love with her. He wrote it in this letter. He's like obsessed with her. And Seth is just like, Nope, don't care. You stole this. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me, dude? Like this has gone on too far. Yeah. yeah Seth, Seth is, this is like a whole different version. So you had the Seth turned up to 11 in the first episode. Then you have mm-hmm. this kind of more charming Seth. And then you have this tool Seth. And I feel like this is like an entirely different Seth, which is the not only do I not care about your problems, I'm only concerned with my own and anything you're going to say that is in regard to your problems, no matter how inflammatory, I don't care. Yeah, he had, he had no chill. Yeah, he was unconcerned. He was un he wasn't even willing to listen or let Ryan kind of explain his case. He had no loyalty, which is insane because that's literally what bonded them together. It really bothered me too. Um, updated poster watch in Seth's room. We now have Adam and his package and Rooney both both making it up on the wall. Um, Marissa comes over to she shows up to Seth's room. There's a funny joke about him waxing his back. Um, <laughs> Marissa pops in and just says, like, hey, do you want to go to that cooking class with me and Oliver? And Ryan says, no, I can't. Like, again, I'm very confused. At this point, he's read the letter that he thinks is from Oliver to Marissa. He thinks that he's obsessed with her, but his answer to, like, hang out with him is like, nah, you go hang out with him alone. I don't get it. I don't get it either. Ryan goes back to uh, high school. It's the next day. I'm assuming it's that whatever. He's back in high school. He's putting the letter back in Marissa's locker. Um, Oliver just pops up out of nowhere. He is a like lurker. A it's awful. He really is. Um... And they have a kind of an awkward conversation about like a, a, what's the emergency? Ha ha ha! It's real weird. But then the scene is saved by our oh, boy Luke. Yes, Luke shows up. I wrote it. Oh and God. Uh, God, just love him. God, I just love Luke so much. He shows up, and uh, there's some real cringe dialogue here. It's very like it's very like surface level bullshit. Where I wrote LOL dialogue. It's the the last class of the day is so hard to get through. And then Luke like fist bumps him. He's like, I feel you on that, man. Yeah. I, I was like, okay. This is a big Luke. Episode. This is a big Luke disc. And oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, Luke comes in clutch. He was Ryan's only true friend in the next two episodes. Absolutely. Well, Luke also has the best moment of this episode, <laughs> which literally made me stand up and clap. I stood up off the couch and like gave him a round of applause because Luke is like, I don't like him. He's clearly here for Marissa. He says, uh, "You got to tell that guy to back off. I'll do it if you want." Just give me the word and I'll drop the great Gatsby. <laughs> I okay. Uh, so I want to talk about that line because I was curious if he was just referring to Okay, his... I had the same thought. Okay. I had the same thought. Was he calling yeah. Oliver the Great Gatsby or was he calling his fist the Great Gatsby? That, that's the question, because there are a couple different things. Is he going to punch him because he calls his fists the Great Gatsby? Is he going to shoot Oliver in the pool? Or is he going mm. to hit Oliver with his car? Spoilers for The Great Gatsby. Come on. It's, it's been out since the 20s. No, I'm just but I don't know. I think all three. So, and then in another weird scene that totally doesn't really make sense, Dr. Kim calls Marissa into her office. 
mm-hmm. and hits her with like the it's like the the swerve like we're concerned about a student a transfer oh, student yeah. that we think it we think has some troubled things going on we know you have a relationship with this person marissa's like oh oliver's fine oh no it's not oliver it's ryan but like then dr kim just like spills all the tea she's like yeah by the way ryan broke into the office and stole oliver's file i guess she just uh, for no reason just tells marissa this information yeah yeah um ryan's in detention it's to two hour detention by the way it's from three to five which seems a lot my detention in high school was like 30 minutes it's five o'clock he's leaving detention this is where ryan really starts to lose me because marissa's outside and she's like i thought you were helping kirsten and he just basically lies to her he lies to her like three times just quickly in succession and she she's just like you're lying to me and it's just like dude you gotta you can't be lying if you want people to fucking believe you about all this other shit i guess right um but he just like straight up lies and they find out he finds out that the note is allegedly for natalie um oliver's girlfriend slash ex-girlfriend but by this point marissa does not trust ryan uh, and she kind of just leaves him alone it's a little ambiguous or like did they break up we don't know uh the next time we see ryan he's showing back up to high school the next day and he sees marissa up on the steps and then she turns around and walks away and she's with oliver he's just like hanging out by a tree and they walk away together. See, I interpreted it as them dead ass breaking up. See, so so like, did I, and and mm-hmm. I because I feel like that that made me so angry based on this fact in the episodes following the Oliver saga, because I think mm-hmm. she straight up said I can't do this anymore and then left, which I yeah, interpret to me, as that's a breakup. Yeah, as someone who's been broken up with quite a few times, like usually when someone <laughs> puts finality on it, that's like a full stop. Like I don't think it's a. Okay, good talk. We'll uh, we'll follow up tomorrow, right? Yeah. It's like I or think that they definitely broke up. I need some up. space, or not even. We were on a break. Like they, like, yeah. I can't do this anymore. Yeah, they done. interesting. Oh, I've never heard anyone get broken up with or break up with someone by saying I can't do this anymore. But I feel like that's the most popular television line to break up with someone. Yeah, but I also feel like if that were to happen, I would need the follow ups. Like, so what? We're breaking up. Like, you know, I don't know. If it's just left and I can't do this anymore, that feel that does to me feel like. We got some shit we need to work through, and we're going to take a break and see if that if, if we even want to work through it or not. I don't know. That's just kind of how I would have interpreted it, I guess. Um, the last scene of the episode, which really I did not remember. I did not remember the scene at all, honestly. Um, it threw me for a fucking loop. Again, I was like on the edge of my couch when this happened. First of all, uh, Big Sur, song by The Thrills. Great, great song. Love that song. Love that band. Is in the background. It's Ryan at school. He's playing pool alone because that's what you do. And Oliver shows up and they have like a little conversation where Ryan has basically given up. He feels like he's defeated at this point. Oliver's like, what do you think? I was like in love with Marissa. And Ryan's like, yeah, I guess, man. I know it was crazy, right? And like at that point, it felt like he was ready to be friends. But then Oliver did this thing that I do not remember and it freaked me the fuck out and I lost my shit. He just keep very like subtly turned and just goes, here's the deal, Ryan. And I lost my shit. My notes are like, yeah. Ryan is defeated. Oliver churns. OMG, here's the deal, Ryan. OMG, <laughs> they connect. Understands him. There's only one person you're supposed to be with. You served your purpose. Don't blow it over a chick. You won't even care about 10 years from now. Like, Oliver lays it out. Like, Ryan is right. Oliver's insane. And he lays it all out in this crazy monologue that I do not remember. And it fucking blew my mind. And uh, it ended with Ryan 
beating the shit out of Oliver. The episode is structured like the movie Hereditary, where it's 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 good. Ah, there's fuck fun. That movie. There's fun stuff going on, and then all of a sudden, in the last like thirty seconds, five minutes, it goes completely off the deep end. It's insane, and Oliver goes full Oliver, and then I had forgotten that too. It I could just not remember escalates. Yeah, oh. that was that was like, yeah, that was really intense escalation. Yeah, like when it, the the first he like turned and just goes, "Here's the deal, Ryan." I like lost my shit. I really was like, "Oh my god, this is amazing. This is so good." But that's how the episode is: is Ryan beating the shit out of Oliver for that storyline, at least. My um, my note and- about that monologue though was like, honestly, like Oliver's advice to not blow his life over a girl he wouldn't care about in ten years. I actually think that's very, very, very good advice. I don't know. Well, that's only true because we know what happens <laughs> with Marissa. But if we didn't oh. know that. that- you know, maybe maybe they'd still be together in 10 years. Who knows? I don't know. I feel like anyone in a high school relationship, I'm going to tell them, hey, don't blow your life over someone you're not going to care about in 10 years. Actually, you know what? We, we see what happens when Ryan meets and is interested in someone who is emotionally equipped to handle relationships when season four happens. And he's like a completely different, happier person. It's like, yeah, you're right. He would have totally met someone like in yeah. college. So, yes. And so there, there's something very important that I have to say. And I want you to keep it in the show. Because mm-hmm. I want the listeners to hear how seamlessly oh, I can interject into a story, even though I don't know what's been discussed. I'm going to go uh, to the bathroom. I'm going to go OP um, and just keep talking. And I'm going to interject back in when I come back. All right. That sounds good. Oh, Dylan's going to be mad, though, because uh, next I want to talk about uh, Danny Summer's new friend, Danny. Uh, God, I love Danny. I fucking love <laughs> Danny. All right. So Seth Summer. Danny and Anna. Apparently, we find out that Seth and Anna don't fight. This is what Seth talks about uh, when he's talking to Ryan at the beginning of, of school. He thinks he's dating the female version of himself, which I kind of understand. What are your thoughts, Chelsea? Uh, yeah, in fact, I actually had multiple outfits of um, the episode because in every single scene, Seth and Anna's outfits kind of match. Like in, in one scene, they're wearing like a yellow shirt and a track jacket. And in another one, they're both wearing, like, Argyle. And then they both wear the exact same kind of, like, Hogwarts or Rent-style scarf. And it was this episode that I realized, and I don't know how I've had the OC in my life for, you know, a decade and a half and never realized this, but, like, Anna actually has kind of terrible style. It's not good. I could totally see that. It's It's incredibly, it's incredibly of the time. Like, it is incredibly, like, that exact era. Like, 2004 was the only time that that was cool. Yeah, but it's not even like, oh, I'm I'm a girl with the hot topic aesthetic, or like, oh, I get all my clothes at PacSun. Like it was just Dylan. Like, who do you think we're talking about, Dylan? I think you're talking about Anna. That's exactly right. Hundred percent. Welcome back. Yeah, it wasn't like, oh, I'm an alt. I have alt girl style. It's like, oh, I have bad style where I constantly layer long sleeve t shirts on top of short sleeve or spaghetti strap shirts, and they clash, and it makes no sense. I don't know. I don't get it. Terrible outfits of the episodes, but those definitely deserve a shout out. So, but but, okay, the question that I was kind of framing though is um, Seth thinks he's dating the female version of himself. And the question that I've asked myself throughout my entire life is like, do you want to date someone that is incredibly similar to you in that way? Or do you want to date someone that's more like Seth and Summer where there is a lot of differences there, I guess, you know? Seth and Summer. I want someone that balances me out. Um, Right. I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I definitely wouldn't want to date someone like me. You need a yin and a yang, not like two yins. I understand that. 
we just set decides that he and Anna need to spice things up. They are too similar. They need to do they need to do new things. Some of the some of the things that Anna wants to do include playing Jenga, going to the comic book store, or mocking people at the mall. Meanwhile, they are dressed alike, uh, like you said, Chelsea, and they are ha- on their way to Tuna Milk Monday. Meanwhile, Seth decides instead maybe they should do things like muscle car racing, Krav Maga, or taking Luke Sea-Doo out for a ride, which I fucking love. I would love to ride Sea-Doo's with Luke. Chris Carmack, if you're listening, get at me. Why? That is so much fun. Why does Anna always wash up before they go eat? And what does that mean in a high school setting? She says it multiple times. She says, I'm going to go wash up. Then we can go eat tuna melts. I don't know why she says that. And then when later, you said wash up, when you said wash up, I thought you meant like arrive into the scene. That's what I thought you meant. <laughs> well, I mean, she got, like, like washed up. up. She could, but like later on in the episode, like right before the end, she says it again so much so that I have another all caps note, like a boomer tweeting. Why does Anna wash up before she eats, and what does it mean? Does she just mean I'm going to go wash my hands, or is she taking like a full like? Is she going home to shower before she eats a tuna melt? Chelsea, what's a do, wash up? I wish I could do like an impression, but I know it'll end up being more like your Sandy <laughs> one. But like, she's like, Seth, I'm going to go wash up. Like, I can't even do it properly. No, that was but good. It's we, so No, we just, lost, we, just lost th- we just lost three stars. Thank you, Chelsea. It, that, that was so a good breathy one. and high. Like, Seth, I'm going to go wash up. Or I'm going to go wash up. I just, I can't, oh, she, she's washing her hands. So it's very, it's, she was very Corona friendly back then, which is good because now she's, she's cute and I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know she... what? You know what, Anna? You are, wa- you are washed up, Anna. You are a washed <laughs> up Q conspirator. Get out of here. GTFO. Um, but I did also write that Seth sucks. I don't even know if he likes Anna or not at this point. Um, but then the next scene with them, we are met, we are met head on with my, favorite person in this episode i love him and i know we're gonna fight about it for the next 20 hours it's danny i fucking love danny it's so bad my note on him is (laughs) big randy energy my name's randy y'all thank you so much hit me up on myspace.com slash randy with eight a's i'm out we're introduced to him in the craziest like group combination possible it's luke summer anna and danny and seth which is any scene that doesn't have ryan and marissa i'm just all in on at this point so that was Uh it really what dude it was so funny like that scene is so perfectly like cringe and awkward yeah i loved it (laughs) um it's danny danny's just making a lot of shitty jokes and he's going big he's really going for it and i just really respect it the same way i respected you dylan for asking hillary duff to the prom (laughs) i respect danny I respect Danny for fucking letting his flag fly, being himself, talking in his weird anime voice. Luke thinks he's straight out of a Bruce Lee movie. Uh, somebody call CSI. We got a cold one here. Great line. I'm all in on Tag Danny. He's Joe. my favorite character. Yeah, he's my favorite character in, on this series. Now. He does make Luke laugh so much. And so as much as I hate him, the fact that he can make Luke so happy, I can't hate him completely. I need a, a different... I need a spinoff series. It's just Luke and Danny just oh, being bros. It's just Luke. I mean, Luke was about to die. Yeah. At the time, was comedy kind of having that minute? Like, I mean, is what Danny was doing that different than what Dane Cook did? Dane Cook wasn't that much out there. He was, I feel like he was doing more of like a Tom Green kind of thing mixed with a Jim Carrey kind of thing. Because like specifically i mean correct me if i'm wrong but that that joke of pretending that you're in a overdubbed kung fu movie they made that joke 
an American pie and it got really popular in American pie. And like, he's just regurgitating all of these old jokes, but that kind of big out there humor. I mean, wasn't this around the time that like really over the top jackass kind of stuff was getting really popular in comedy. Yeah, but that's not what Danny was doing. I'm going to defend Danny here. Um, no, I don't. I think he was definitely more Dane Cook and way less like Tom Green. Tom Green was like still very like subtle and like Touché. even keel. Um, but he was just like doing crazy things like to his parents. But like he never got big. Tom Green never got big. But yeah, Dane Cook definitely. So even Sean William Scott, who gets a mention in this episode, like yeah, all it, of his yeah. roles around that time. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, kind of the same. A little slapsticky, um, you know, Dane Cook talking about the Kool-Aid man. Like, it was, it had a moment, and it wasn't terrible. I I kind of liked Dane Cook at the time. I don't know. I think I'm just getting very defensive because it's going to come out that I had multiple Dane Cook CDs and that I really liked Dane Cook. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, you, and you guys are going to be like, wait, I thought you liked, you know, good comedians like Ryan Drake. But no. That's, that's right. Own it, baby. Next time we see Seth uh, is him getting surprised in the hallway by Anna with two tickets to see Bright Eyes live. And he still was just like, I don't know. It seems like two in our wheelhouse. And he Come would on, not dude. shut the fuck up about Danny. I'm like, you had the chance to go see Connor Oberst, but you're not. You don't even care. It's like one of your favorite bands. Anna is like kind of eh about this. Like she's starting to feel rejected or at least a little uh, second fiddle to Summer. Um, she thinks that Seth is jealous of Danny because he's dating Summer, not mm-hmm. because of his style of humor. Um, Danny shows up and does the whole, like, you got something on your sweater, and it's such a good scene. I love it. I love Danny. <laughs> God, he's so great. He, as they're walking away, Danny looks to Summer and goes, do you want to come over later? I've TV'd some Leno. Oh, God. I can't get behind that. I don't fuck with Leno, but God, I love that Danny fucks with Leno. He's a proud Leno man. Who was your late night guy? Letterman. Chelsea, who's your late night personality? Chelsea Handler. Oh, da- dang. Oh, oh wait. Current, well, as a kid, it was Jon Stewart, yeah. which comes up again yeah, later. Yeah, I mean, then... yeah. Jon Stewart is like everyone's obvious default. But like the only time I even watched late night TV was in um, college. And like, obviously, I had a, so- a soft spot for Chelsea lately. I would die for Conan O'Brien still. Really? Mid to late 90s, late night Conan was was some of the best oh, yeah. stuff you'll ever see. I still just, for me, it was Jon Stewart. And also Letterman. Letterman, Conan, um, Stewart, all classics. Ferguson. Um, nah, I couldn't get rid of Ferguson <laughs> at all. So now they're playing video games at Seth's house. It's just Seth and Danny together. Danny has all the secret codes, apparently. He's like making Seth look bad at his own game. Um, again, just another per fucking perfect line sandy walks in and goes hi i'm sandy and danny goes you should take a shower <laughs> he goes what and he's like no, or no. not i like you dirty and then he just sits there and goes sandy dirty sandy dirty sandy dirty yep uh sandy hates danny uh he says he makes ryan look funny he makes marissa look funny <laughs> uh, that was a good joke he has they sandy has about- the amazing line where he says gentiles i love your mother more than words but not funny. Get yourself some funnier friends. So Seth feels some relief knowing that Danny is uh, not funny, at least in the eyes of his father. Um, which again, uh, my dad is one of the last people I would go to for like what is cool and funny versus not cool and funny. But you know, Seth, Sandy's a cool dad. Uh, Seth comes back, gives they have Mountain Dews, and, and Danny drinks his Mountain Dew in the most awkward, weird way. He's like, <laughs> I'm so parched, and he just like, like tips the bottle straight up in the air. Um, <laughs> 
then there's this incredible moment where Danny just immediately shifts and gets real as fuck. And he's like, Seth, I need you to be less funny around Summer. I'm hanging on like as hard as I can, and it is hard. And I was like, Danny, I love you. You're being real and honest with Seth. Of course, Seth is going to take this information and be a dick about it and ruin your relationship because that's what he does. But shout yeah. out to Danny for being vulnerable and real. Yeah. His turn was much better than Oliver's at the end of the episode. So that there's, 100%. there's something that Josh Schwartz does that I I think is like one of his kind of trademarks as a writer for this show. And he has repeated lines and repeated themes. And I really liked how, you know, Anna is the one who's kind of encouraging Seth to, uh, to, to get to know Danny and to just accept this. But she actually says to Seth, embrace the friend, just like Seth said to Ryan, embrace the friend. And I feel like that repetition is something that you see a lot in the scripts that Josh Schwartz writes. And it's really fun to Bo-tease. watch the episodes that he's written where he does that. The last thing on this storyline, we'll put a bow on it. Seth wears a scarf. I'm so glad that wasn't your outfit of the episode because he looks stupid in a scarf. Um, yeah, it's like the same scarf that Anthony Rapp wears in Rent. Wow. <laughs> Chelsea, what a great guy. Co- yeah, perfection. That's a deep pull. Yeah. Yeah. Summer's sad because Seth sabotaged her relationship and uh, she apparently thought Danny was a good one um, they have a really good conversation outside by the lockers um, again Summer's being real and like open and Seth is just being self-serving and selfish yeah and, manipulative uh, I don't like it manipulative yeah invites her over to watch the daily show so yeah that's how we leave that's how we leave that uh, Summer and Danny break up and unfortunately we never see Danny again R.I.P. The only uh the only other thing we really happens in this episode involves the adults. We don't need to get too into it. Um Sandy and Jimmy Sandy and Tate, I'm sorry. Sandy and Tate, uh, by the lighthouse, there was some apprehension from Tate as far as like w- w- money and whether or not he would be working for Sandy. Um there's a good line there's a good scene where they were like trying to design the menu. Uh there's gonna be live jazz, there's gonna be a raw bar. Gary Cooper is like their inspiration for the bar because he loved oysters. <laughs> only one type of martini, only the finest scotch. But there can be two types of meatloaf. I took this. I wrote this note down as a joke to myself, but then I created something that I can't stop thinking about. And my, I'll, t- I'll tell you my note, and then I kind of want to discuss this. The note is: if this was 2020, Sandy and Tate would be starting a podcast instead of uh, buying the lighthouse. And it makes me realize that I really, really, really want a Sandy Cohen Tate Donovan podcast. And I really thought you were going to say it. Really wanted you to buy a restaurant with Chelsea and I. Oh, oh that'd I mean, be that's, fun. That's an option too. Yeah, we'll yeah. do that. We'll yeah. we'll, we'll get our cover. It. We'll get our we'll get our good Charlotte cover band to play there every weekend. <laughs> yeah, exactly. My so-called anthem. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, Dylan! That was pretty good. Oklahoma you really City are, you really niche are. humor. You really are oh. me in this episode. All right. <laughs> um. So Sandy Sandy buys the restaurant. Um. He puts the down payment down. Tate was like kind of backing out, kind of waffling. Eventually, he does show up. Um. And they sign they sign the deed together. They're they're in business. Tate's afraid of failing, but uh, he shows up. He shows up to sign the paperwork in like a suit, but with khakis, which was not a good look. But um, they're in the restaurant biz together. They're they're gonna open the lighthouse again. Um, and I have one little thing about Kirsten and Julie. They're starting to work together. Julie seems like she knows what's up, but she clearly does not. And she had a really good line as well. If you stop to open heart surgery halfway through, it wouldn't look like murder. That is such so- a good line. Shout out to Julie Cooper, really bringing it this episode. Um, mm-hmm. The only thing, and she says something about we need to be an aspirational brand, and Kirsten goes, "Is aspirational even a word?" And I'm like, "Come on, what? Kirsten." Okay, yeah, I have that. comments about this conversation. I know that first of all, that's the one thing because because she makes some some remark like that, and then um, Kirsten goes, "You had Marissa at 18." 
That means that Julie's 34. That bitch is our age. Wow. We're the same age as Julie Cooper? Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Kirsten remarks I didn't even put on that there together. that Julie had Marissa at 18 and Marissa's 16. Oh, my god! She's 16 or 17. It doesn't matter. She's close enough to our age. That's yeah. fucking crazy. It doesn't matter. She She's not yeah, very well, much older than us. Does she have a birthday in any episodes that we see in the series? I don't remember. Does she have like a I don't remember her ever having a birthday. I does. But I was just like, she she's our age. And, she, and is, she's yeah, fucking wild. a hexagenarian. Caleb is in his 60s. That'd be like if we were dating uh, someone in his 60s or fucking a high schooler, which we'll get to later. But yeah. Hey, he's 18. Um, he is 18. That, that, I, did, I did catch that when they mentioned that earlier. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Julie gets hired by the Newport group to be their interior designer. I have comments about that. Like, Jewel, okay, first of all, um, I totally agree with her theory. Whenever you're selling a house, you're not selling the walls and the floors. You're selling the life. Like, people walk in there and they fall in love with it because they think about, like, you know, they romanticize the closet and they picture themselves sitting in a reading room or sitting on the back patio. So she was on the right track and, you know, definitely. Um, I'm going to pass houses- out in this corner. Uh, no, for, for real though. So definitely, no. Whenever we're staging houses, we're always like, "Oh, okay, let's you know create the fantasy so people can picture themselves here." Um, and Julie really had some good girl boss energy commanding those people. Like it was optimistic and inspirational and commanding without being bitchy. Um, I don't know. I think she put, could have done a pretty good job at this role. We got like a very brief um, Alan Dale sighting at the end of the episode. He pops in for a mm. minute to hire Julie officially, and then he leaves. So big shout out to him making his money. Um, that's it. That's it for that episode. That was episode number seventeen, The Rivals. Um, the big, the big, big cliffhanger was kind of Oliver. We get Oliver kind of reveals himself to maybe be a big old psychopath. <laughs> um, I was gonna say piece of shit, but I was like, no, nah, psychopath, narcissist, whatever. So yeah, that will lead us into episode number 18, which is called The Truth. The Truth truth features Sandy Cohen on screen for 14 minutes and two seconds, which is a big, it's a lot of Sandy in this episode. So uh, what else do we need to know about The Truth, Dylan? Do that thing I like. So The Truth originally aired on February 11th, 2004 to 12.7 million viewers. Excuse me, 12.70 million viewers so we still have quite a few people watching what's the, the difference what's the difference between 12.7 and 12.70 i don't know uh yeah, the website 12.7. the website said 70 and i didn't want the, i'm not a math guy or excuse me for our british listeners of which we have none i'm not a maths guy um this one was written by alan heinberg and mm-hmm. what an episode it was indeed why don't you get into it hi room service yeah, oh could God. you please send a bottle of epic finale to the penthouse suite? <laughs> While Ryan is practicing good COVID quarantine procedures and staying home, Oliver has free reign over Marissa, and it turns out his lies are more layered than his outfits. In an episode packed with comic books, the real hero is Luke, who not only has Marissa's back, but also wants to have Julie's front. The pot finally boils over when Oliver goes full R nice guys and pulls a gun when Marissa <laughs> makes it clear that she's more into Chino Chads than Pacific Psychos. But how will it end? Will Oliver get shot? Will Marissa? Will Ryan? Will Trey? Let's say. dive in. No, dude, the uh, R nice guys, that's a good shout out to oh them. Oh my god. They deserve it. 
they 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 do deserve it, and they will tell you that they deserve it. So actually, we, sidebar according same in the same vein as that. Um, there's a there's a new inst- account on Twitter and Instagram called uh, Dudes Down Bad, and it's just perfect. And you need to just look up Dudes Down Bad. It's hilarious. Dudes it's just down dudes bad. getting rejected. It's just dudes getting rejected through text or DMs by girls. It's really great. Oh god. Okay, all over it. So um, Ryan is stuck at home because mm-hmm. he is under disciplinary review from Dr. Kim. And guys, I know we just started this episode, but there's something very important that I need to discuss with you. And that is the first of two comic book minutes. Oh, when God. Ryan is on the bed with a bunch of open comic books beside him, faux pas, bro, he's roughly handling a copy of Batman Legends of the Dark Knight, issue 173, written by John Wagner. Special thanks to Leslie for helping me research this one. Issue 173 was part two of the Testament story arc entitled Betrayal. Trail of Brothers. Hmm, could this have a deeper meaning? I think it does, based on last episode's context. And this has been your first comic book minute. And we're back. So. Okay, woo. So Ryan is stuck at home. Uh, He can't really do anything. He's shown, you know, reading comic books. He's shown reading Cavalier and Clay, which, again, Uh is amazing if no one has read it. Oh, this scene is actually hilarious because he acts like he's actually in a jail cell. Like, he does, like, push-ups and crunches and, like... All before, like, 7 a.m., right? (laughs) Yeah, like, he's, like, he really is treating it like a a sentence. (laughs) So... He's at home. Sandy keeps trying to talk to him about what's going on with Oliver, but there's kind of that awkward chemistry because he's not technically Ryan's dad. I mean, actually, he's his lawyer, and so they don't really know how to handle it. Um, Sandy doesn't, you know, he can't ground him because he's not his dad, apparently, Uh, but he sets some ground rules, says, you know, you can't leave the house unless one of us approves it, Um, and so I'm sure that'll last for a really long time. We do a flash cut to the school where Marissa and Summer are there and Oliver shows up and Oliver has a massive cut on his lip from when Ryan punched him in the face. And Mm -hmm. he has he has an amazing line where he, of course, says, um, I thought it made the transition from scary to sexy. Uh, oh God, cringe! Made cringe me, mode. I, made I know me I want to punch him again. Ah, made me physically yeah. uncomfortable. I think that Marissa also has a line in this episode, in this you know, in this specific scene, where she says, "I don't want any more people in my life that are jealous, scary, and breathing down my neck." And I was just kind of trying to figure out who in her life is like that right now. Julian Ryan, I think, is the is like yeah, and Lou. I feel like Ju- I feel like and, Ryan's yeah. the, Ryan's the jealous one. And I guess, you know, breathing down her neck all the time. But I guess Julie is doing that too. But I mean, who's the scary one? Is that Julie? Okay, here's something that I never thought of (laughs) until watching this episode. But, so, Marissa obviously has a thing for sad boys. Like, you know, in season three, it's Johnny. In season two, it's Trey. But think about... you have a chance. (laughs) Think about Marissa and Oliver's relationship and compare it, like... That is probably how Luke was feeling when Marissa started to hang out with Ryan. Like, it, it, it's almost the identical story. I thought there was a reference to that at some point in the show, but I guess there wasn't. Um, where it's like, clearly, when Luke is helping Ryan, it's like, yeah, you need to do what I couldn't do because I lost her to you. And you need to not lose her to Oliver because it's the same situation. I thought there was a dialogue about that, but I apparently there wasn't because I just rewatched the episodes. Yeah, I don't think that there was. 
Um, and it didn't even occur to me because, like, obviously we love Ryan. He's the hero of the show. And Oliver is clearly the villain. And, it, you know, Luke was the villain during this time period. But it's the identical thing. She has a, a boyfriend and she takes a shining to, like, a new, like, loner with a dark past. Like, it's, it's the same story. So maybe that explains why Luke is so, like, aggressive to help Ryan. But also, it's like a recurring pattern for Marissa. I don't know. There's just a lot of things going on there that I wasn't, like, ready to see the first, you know, 100 times I watched this show. This is why Chelsea is the best member of this podcast, because she brings Mm -hmm. in natural humor, but then also amazing points, (laughs) because I hadn't thought about that. And, you know, we we focus so much on the Ryan-Oliver comparisons with regard to them showing up at Harbor that we don't stop to think about, you know. I feel like subconsciously we may have known that because that's why we like Luke so much. But no, that's mm-hmm. an excellent point. Um, and I mean, the, what, the one difference, I guess, is that Ryan is at least a little bit more mentally stable. Um, but, but I don't know because they didn't know anything about Ryan, you know, being the dude from Chino. And man, I'm just yeah. going to sit in silence for 15 minutes and think about that. But I'll do it. Okay. Well, I'll I'll pick up the torch for you because I don't know if you're ready to talk (laughs) about this yet, but I am. I'm so frustrated about this when he talks to Julie and when he talks to Sandy and when he talks to Dr. Kim. Because to me, the most obvious piece of evidence, the most damning thing that he knows about Oliver is that he tried to commit suicide a week ago. Yes. Why does he not share this with any adult? Why? Why does Again, he not Chelsea, tell, great point. Like, why does he not tell Julie and Dr. Kim that he just got busted for a coke arrest and then a week later he had a suicide attempt? Like, these are, like, these are the yeah. most validating, vindicating, like, pieces of evidence that he has and he just sits on them. Yeah, because I, I feel like even though Julie is scary and crazy and maybe not the best mother, if, if you know, you have fact one, your daughter tried to overdose in Mexico, and you have fact two, she's hanging out with someone that just tried to overdose. I feel like Julie would at least, you know, say something. You know, she loves forbidding her to see Ryan. So what's the deal? Why? Where is her fervor forbidding her from seeing Oliver? Do you think she's maybe just happy that she's with someone other than Ryan? I don't think she cares. I think she's too preoccupied. Yeah. Well, one of my favorite lines in this episode, she goes, oh, the boy who lives in a pool house is upset about the boy who lives in a penthouse. She said something like that, and I thought that was a funny line, but mm-hmm. um, I'm sure that that's what's going on. She's like, oh, this guy's rich, whatever. 34-year-old humor right there, just working for you. Um, <laughs> no, but that's a great point because, you know, the, the big thing with Oliver is that he's injected himself into this kind of friend group, and we see it in this scene and in the scenes coming up, is he's constantly trying to monopolize Marissa's time. Uh, so much so that, you know, Summer is trying to set up some time with her since they're both quote unquote single, which is more evidence that they actually did break up. And she's like, well, yeah, I can't. Ryan. I've got to hang out with Oliver tonight. And then I'm hanging out with my mom this weekend. Um, although the cool thing about Oliver is that he may be crazy, but he comes with perks. He's talking about <laughs> taking everyone skiing, um, which Luke kind of I can't tell if he's into it or if he's kind of skeptical but um, now Luke's just doing the thing. Luke's just like face value. Like, yeah, cool, man. As soon as he turns around, Luke's like, fuck that guy. Yeah. Luke's like, yeah, cool, man. But in that same conversation, he just keeps answering. And Luke goes, are, are you going to let Marissa talk? He says something like, are you going to let Marissa oh, talk? Oh, yeah. He answering for her. So initially he's yeah. like, okay, we can go skiing. And then oh, he's like, whoa, amazing. what? what is your problem? Luke behaves how Ryan should have behaved. Like Luke yeah. is kind of like, okay, I'm down for it. And then when something ridiculous happens, he's quick to call it out. 
No, I agree that Ryan should have fucked Marissa's mom. (laughs) (laughs) So, no, yeah, I want to talk about that scene because it kind of sets up the intersection with Ryan coming into this school group. Um, So, you know, they're all sitting out. It's Luke, Oliver, and Marissa. And Oliver is just continually, you know, he's first of all still trying to get them to go skiing because, you know, it's like, come on, I want to be the guy that does the cool stuff, blah, 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 blah. And he starts answering questions on Marissa's behalf. And Luke has that amazing line, kind of like we were saying, where he's like, don't you think Marissa can answer for herself? Or are you going to, you know, speak for her from now on? And then we get, you know, we get full on creepy Oliver. Marissa gets a call. It's Ryan. He, he's, you know, he instructs her not to answer it. And so she doesn't. Then she gets up and leaves her phone at the table, which why would you do that? Even if you're with someone you trust, like you don't do that. Don't what are you doing, man? I don't do that. So she gets up, she leaves, and Oliver, who I guess miraculously knows how to log into her voicemail, although I can't remember if we had mail passwords. Yeah, I think flip phones were easier to do. Yeah, I don't think that you had to like Yeah. So it's like a message from Ryan and Ryan's like, Hey, you know, I, I wanna see you, so I'm going to be at the library at this time. I'll meet you there. I hope to see you there. And then Oliver, you know, deletes it and continues eating his French fries with his nasty busted lip and dipping it in ketchup. It was gross. But so this entire time, I think Oliver missed out on a really good plan. I thought that he was going to notify Dr. Kim that Ryan was on school grounds. That's my, that was my next question. I was like, why would Ryan go to the school that he's suspended from? That's insane to me. He, it's, it's. The thing about Ryan, the thing that I don't like about him as a character, and maybe it's the writing or something, but I feel like he's not very level as a character. Like, sometimes he is doing the complete right, reasonable thing, and then other times he's like, oh, no, it's okay. I'm on probation from both school and I'm on probation from the fact that I tried to steal a car with my brother. Um, But I'm just going to go ahead and break all the rules and take advantage of everybody for someone who I don't even really like. I refuse to believe that it's because he's being protective. I think he's just being a stupid 16-year-old, maybe. So Ryan comes back to the school, and uh, Seth runs into him um, on their way, they being Summer, Anna, and Seth, on their way to go comic book shopping, which don't worry, (laughs) we'll get into that later. But Seth, like, makes no effort whatsoever again. Um, We have another betrayal of brothers, if you will. Where he's like, yeah, you shouldn't do this. What are you doing? Stop. And then Ryan's just like, I don't care. I'm going to go see her. You know, And Seth does nothing to stop him. And so Ryan goes into the library. I mean, how did you feel? Do you think Seth should have maybe put up a little bit more of an effort? Oh, my gosh. Whoa. A per- oh, my God. What is happening? <laughs> what in the world is going on? There is someone in the window. Oh it's Is that Oliver? <laughs> this- is that Marissa the cat? Oh, my God. Thank you. Dylan, it's Claire Shrek. Claire, hey! Dylan says hi. It's, D- it's Dylan. She can't hear me. Why am I yelling? She's outside yeah, and yeah, she's, she's headphones. Like, she's literally yelling at her. Like, I thought you were, oh, that was my cat. I like Because I could see my cat through that door. Thank oh my you. gosh, it was a cat. I will run into your, yeah, turn the mailbox. Thanks, girl. Marissa, I love your new house. Wow. I didn't know you moved to Oklahoma. <laughs> should we leave that in the episode? That was bizarre. One, 100%. <laughs> yeah, maybe we should. That was awesome. <laughs> that was so weird that some woman just appeared in the window behind you. <laughs> Oh, gosh. All right. <laughs> That's my best friend. My best friend made a cameo. <laughs> oh, I love it. And we, we didn't even have to pay her for that cameo. That was great. So... I know. Oh, my God. We have cameo <laughs> stories to talk about during the next bonus episode. Uh, before we move on from the scene, though, I do want to pipe in. Okay. 
First of all, Anna, yet again, she's wearing like a long sleeve t-shirt, <laughs> like a long sleeve shirt underneath God. a boat neck sweater. What is going on with her layers? I don't understand. It makes me so mad. It gives me anxiety. She had bad style. I'm going to just like fucking say it. Um, but at yeah. the same time, when Anna is just like destroying a perfectly nice sweater, uh, Summer is uh, walking around Harbor High School with an Hermes Birkin bag. Y'all, these It these sounds run... like I should be really upset about that. Yeah, I don't know. I have no <laughs> idea what this means, but yes. This is your comic book minute. This is a $40,000 purse. Okay, I understand now. This uh-huh. is a $40,000 purse. On the high end, some of them are $250,000. In fact, this article came out in the New Yorker a couple years ago that was saying that like dollar for dollar, one of the best investments you can make is an Hermes Birkin bag because you can resell it for so much more than you bought it for because there's like a five-year waiting list. It's crazy. It's wild. I don't know how like, I mean, they're Hollywood. I'm sure they had tons of connections, but like there is no way on earth. Nope. (laughs) Wait, what's up? We thought we lost you. Yeah. Oh. You froze up for a minute. Oh, did I freeze up? Could you? Could you I guess you'll still have the audio because um, this is recording. Oh, don't anyways, worry. We got. We got. We got the brunt. We understand what's happening here. Your your war on Anna knows no <laughs> bounds. Oh no no no! But okay, just long, long story short, S- Summer is carrying this this ungodly expensive purse around as a book right. bag. Hey. Is that your fashion moment of the episode? Yeah, it's my fashion <laughs> moment of the episode. It's also my absurd moment of the episode. Again, there's all these things that don't have consistencies. It's like how Wait, did you has say, a million. Did you say absurd? Yeah. What? What do you absurd. say? <laughs> absurd. 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 Absurd is a weird way. To, I just never heard someone say absurd. It's Abs- absurd. Absurd is a planet in the Star Wars universe. Oh, well. <laughs> I almost just did like a Vulcan thing and realized this is a totally different universe. Oh, yeah. Oh, I have some notes about that coming up in the next episode. Oh, my God. Oh, Moving on. Long story okay. short, is a, Summer's carrying a bag that makes no sense to carry around casually at school. That is a different level of rich that none of us are ever going to understand. Yeah. While we're here, while we're here and we've completely derailed, I just want to get say that uh, shout out to all the scenes where Ryan is in the pool house alone, like in solitary. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> He it, those all those all of those scenes are scored by a song by the Eels. It's called "Love of the Loveless," and that to me was the music moment of the episode because there are multiple. Oh, yes. mul- it's a good song, and there are multiple scenes. Yes. So okay, I'm gonna be real with you guys. There's other stuff going on in this episode, but the only there are really only two big things I care about moving forward. Um, we can jump in on other stuff if we want to, but I feel like the people are here for a very specific reason, and it's to get to the penthouse. So we'll get there real fast. So Ryan goes to the library. Of course, Marissa's not there because Marissa didn't know she had to be there. Oliver is there, which, again, he should have just called Dr. Kim and gotten him Mm -hmm. in deeper trouble. But no, Mm -hmm. he's egotistical. He's narcissistic. And so he had to say, it's over, man. Go away. Marissa says not to call her anymore. Ryan has this line, and nothing makes me cringe more than when things like this happen, where it's supposed to be a badass line, but instead it's just kind of falls flat, where Oliver says, you know, Ryan, give up. It's over. And Ryan says, it's only just begun. Oh, I had the same note. It, he said it way too late. I, I've, I was watching it with my uh, with my roommate. And I was like, he said that. Like, that's the thing you think of the next day, like, in the shower. You're like, oh, I wish I would have said that. <laughs> ah, he that actually did moment. say it. <laughs> yeah. so, uh, so Marissa and, um, and, and 
Oliver uh, continue to 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 talk and to plan. Oliver starts to get more clean, um, talking about uh, skipping school and therapy. Never skip therapy, people. Um, and hanging out in L.A. all day and going shopping and, and doing everything like that. However, the good thing about this is we get this great scene with Luke and Seth uh, together. Um, and they, you know... Luke decides that he has some buddies that went to Pacific. And so he's going to start doing a little bit of recon on Oliver. Why they didn't do this the moment they met him. I don't know. This, as I say, this, this storyline can only exist in like a pre Facebook world. Oh, absolutely. yeah. It's, it's just like on Seinfeld when like there's answering machine, uh, tomfoolery, mm-hmm. like it's age now. They decide to do some investigating and they find out some pretty troubling stuff. They find out that, um, Natalie doesn't exist at all um at the school she's not in the yearbook um no one's ever heard of her and so they start to worry a little bit uh ryan kind of panics and tries to let marissa know this is what's going on marissa of course doesn't listen to ryan because marissa doesn't care to listen to ryan it's such a cute scene though because they're kind of all gathered i mean i assume just every day after school everyone goes and hangs out at the cohen's house and eats their uh takeout but Mm -hmm. luke appears in their house by helping uh kirsten carrying the groceries it's pretty adorable Okay, and at some point, I feel like, Ryan, something will click in his head where he's like, wait a second, my adopted father, quote unquote, is an attorney. He knows people in the district attorney's office. Why don't I tell him about some of it? But he doesn't because you never tell parents anything. But anyway, so they find out that Natalie doesn't exist. Um, Ryan, uh, you know, she won't listen to Ryan. Luke has this amazing line where he says, well, she's going to listen to me. That's how you do a line, Ryan. That's how you do one. You don't do a, it just began. You say, well, she's going to listen to me, which out of context seems kind of controlling. But in the episode, it was amazing. But okay, before we get to the juicy stuff going on with Luke, Julie, and then the Oliver finale, I want to take some time to talk about what is both amazing and bizarre about this episode, which is Summer's newfound interest in comic books. So they all three, Seth, uh, Seth, Summer and Anna go to the comic book shop and Seth is really excited about it. Um, I guess for obvious reasons, if you're into comic books and a girl you like is getting into comic books, he's so excited that he goes into the pool house and says, Ryan, Summer's about to read her first comic book and I thought you'd want to be a part of that. And Ryan, rightfully so, doesn't want to be a part of it because Seth clearly doesn't care enough about what he has going on. But uh, so they walk in um, and, excuse me, Sandy walks in and sees the three of them sitting on the couch surrounded by comic books. And just because I'm a man of my word and I said that the comic book minute was one of two, we have the second comic book minute of this episode. Uh. When we see Seth, Summer, and Anna sitting in the living room reading comics, Anna is holding issue 27 of Legion by Dan Abnett. This issue was originally released on November 26, 2003, and is from the same series Seth and Ryan were reading earlier this season. Yes, that's Superman on the cover, so Seth's Fortress of Solitude reference is perfect. Seth starts Summer off with Batman The Dark Knight Returns, Frank Miller's 1986 four-issue miniseries about an aged Batman coming out of retirement, Watchmen by Alan Moore, which needs no introduction, and Neil Gaiman's Sandman, the single greatest comic ever released, in my opinion, and one of my favorite written works in any medium. Uh, Sandman's by far the longest, 75 issues, between 89 and 96. It looks like Seth gave Summer the first collection, Preludes and Nocturnes, consisting of the first eight issues. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been your second of two comic book minutes. That was like episode. five minutes. That was a comic book five minutes. <laughs> what? Like, no, like, no joke. 
when he said Sandman, I screamed. Leslie can attest to it. She will swear to it under oath because she was watching these episodes with me and she knows how I feel about Neil. Okay, we're going to talk about interesting things now, like how Anna's wearing a long sleeve shirt under a spaghetti strap tank top. <laughs> <laughs> it's, she, doesn't, she doesn't stop. She doesn't stop. And it's terrible. And I also think that we get some stellar, stellar Sandy Cohen wisdom in this episode where he pretty much pulls Seth out. He's kind of a little bit aggro because he doesn't know how to deal with Ryan, which Seth picks up on. But we still get mm-hmm. some amazing advice. And he's pretty much like, do you not see how big of a tool you're being? To Anna. Yes. Do you see how terrible you're being? And Seth, I mean, it's such a perfect 16-year-old kid reaction where it's like, oh, mm-hmm. well, what do you get? But like, it's so true. And like in listening to Sandy say that stuff to Seth, it's like secondhand embarrassment because I remember like when I started dating and like my dad would be like, I, dude, you're my son. I don't want you to make a fool of yourself. What are you doing? Stop. You're being rude. What are you doing? You need to go and do this and do that. Um, So that was some stellar Sandy stuff. And didn't you say he was in this episode for 14 minutes? Yeah. Big episode for Sandy. I could have done 30 minutes. um, Sandy's speech, like him and Anna, when they were just talking by themselves in the kitchen, I thought that was a pretty sweet uh, little interaction. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, this whole time, you know, Seth is only paying attention to Summer, kind of leaving Anna out. But, you know. What yeah. did you expect? We've talked about this. We've kind of kind of gone over, you know, treaded those waters before. Um, so let's talk about, uh, so Luke is tasked with bringing some stuff to Marissa, who has stormed out to uh, stay at the Four oh, Seasons yeah. with all yeah. of them, correct? Oh, yeah. So he has to go by Marissa's house, her old house, where her mom lives. Oh. Shout out to Julie Cooper. She's 34. our age. So he goes over to um, to Marissa's house, where Julie is, of course, and they start gathering stuff up. Well, technically, I think Julie... Let's be real. It's also not Marissa's house. It's Julie's house. Marissa lives technically with her dad, but outside. We know yes. that. So one of the places where Marissa keeps her clothes, because she tried to keep them at her normal house, but they kept getting taken by birds... So Mar- they're in Marissa's room, quote unquote, and Julie is gathering up the clothes and, uh, you know, our boy Luke is laying down on the bed, lounging, if you will, and toying with what I believe is the tiny bear that uh, that weird Luke um, gave to Marissa <laughs> oh, yeah. um, after the breakup. So, he's, yeah, he's chilling out, Max, and relaxing all cool. So it was pretty it was pretty sweet. And he's having a really kind of solid conversation with uh, with Julie. And then, uh, well, you know, Julie begins to see in Luke what we see in Luke. That's right. Maybe Luke is only appealing to specifically people in their early to mid-30s. Oh, my gosh. Oh, Oh I love this theory. Oh, my God. So we. You have to be be a 30 to 36 for Luke to be attractive. Oh my gosh. So, so yeah, as, as people in our thirties, we completely understand where Julia is coming from when she finds Luke Mm -hmm. attractive, they get really close. And here's the thing. They do like that stare, but it's not like the awkward pool stare that Marissa does with Ryan. So, you know, right off the bat, this is going to be an adult situation, not a kid situation, Um, but but nothing comes of it. Um, Not yet, at least. And slow burn. Shout out to Casey Musgraves. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) And, uh, and I'm all right with a slow burn. I say the other bit of continuity is with Julie and Caleb breaking up, Caleb owns her house. Like, is he pulling a Dr. Roberts and just being like, well, you're a nice lady. You can stay here. Like, what's going on? Like, <laughs> I love that. That's, that's a great question. Yeah. Nothing happens. Nothing comes of it. But the seeds are planted for future tomfoolery. Uh, for between... future seeds to be planted. Hey, that's a, uh, a fornication joke. Um, and it is anatomically correct, which I appreciate. 
All right, let's get to this climax of this episode. Oh speaking my gosh. Of, speaking of planting speaking seeds. Of- <laughs> <laughs> so, we go to the penthouse and yeah. uh, Oliver is continuing to notch his uh, his aggressive suggestions up. And now he doesn't want to just simply go to L.A. and hang out and skip school and skip there. He wants to go to Paris. And Marissa, of course, says the reasonable thing. And she's like, well, I can't really take off and go to Paris right now. And so he starts to get a little bit worried and, and this and that. And. Luke so this is what's calls. frustrating to me because, okay, every single girl, I'm sure guys deal with this too, but when someone is just being like, oh, we should hang out, we should be hanging out, when you're just like, oh, no, I don't really want to, I can't. Like, Marissa's clearly giving him those excuses. Like, how did she not internally go, oh, I don't really want to hang out with this guy? Like, I don't understand how she's giving him, she is speaking to him the same way I speak to, like, creepers who I know, um, you know, in in my business world or just like guys who used to want to hang out and on college. your podcast. I'd be, uh, no, no, no. I mean, I'd be like, I'd be like, Oh yeah. Like, you know, maybe, maybe next week or like, Oh, I'm really busy right now. But like, you know, I, I just don't understand how she isn't putting two and two together. Um, but Marissa, it, you know, she, she's obviously shutting him down. She's like, well, we have to go to school. Like, Oh, I don't know. Luke, Luke arrives with her stuff and she goes downstairs to the lobby and meets. Dylan? She meets Natalie. It's the Natalie, Natalie reveal. Like, what a fucking idiot, first of all. He names it after someone that his friends will very reasonably likely come across. Like, that is worse than George Tropicana. I was going like, to say, that's got tra- like, George Tropicana vibes, yeah. Like, I mean, he, why didn't he go with, like, Stephanie Seasons or Rita Carlton? Like, no, he went with, Dude, like, Rita Carlton is a Rita pop Carl- star that needs to happen. <laughs> yeah, this, right? Oh, it's my girlfriend, Hotel Room Pillow. I, um, Dylan, <laughs> god damn it. Hey, she liked it. She liked it. I See, now I'm back to my normal persona because I did two comic book minutes. But um, so I got to tell you all, when I first watched this episode back in the day for like, seriously, for the rest of the episode for a while, I thought, wait, did Oliver date the girl who works at the hotel? (laughs) And so he did not. Yeah, so he didn't. Um, So Marissa, of course, is really getting nervous now because she's realizing that everyone was right. Oh, and we forgot to mention that Luke called her and just straight up said, there is no Natalie Bishop. Right. Which, and so she's, she's skeptical. And so she goes downstairs. So when she checks on it, it's like all the pieces finally coming together. Well, we learned that Natalie like has, ba- was like a babysitter for Oliver. She's like, I used to watch him when he was young. Yeah. Like, she's been in his life for a while. We'll get to that yeah. part too when we debrief this, but yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, so she goes back up and Oliver senses that there might be something wrong. He comes out of the shower. He looks like one of those guys that immediately gets dressed while he's in the bathroom after he takes a shower. And I, Ryan, do you do that? I kind of do do that. Yeah, what? I do. Uh, I can't yeah. Take it. Well, I have roommates and I also, if I'm staying at a, if I live by myself, maybe not as much, or if I'm staying at a hotel, maybe not as much. Yeah. It just depends on who I'm with, I guess. I have to sit on the bed in my towel for like 10 minutes because there's just just the heat. I don't want to be like Venus when I put on my clothes. But Oliver clearly doesn't care about being like Venus. And so he walks out. He's like, hey, is everything all right? And, you know, she kind of tries to play it off. Uh, she's noticeably nervous. Um, tells him to just go finish getting dressed. He goes and finishes, quote unquote, getting dressed. And she calls Ryan and he overhears her. And he walks out with a gun. And mm-hmm. we have what I think is more dramatic than the caffeine pills scene in Saved by the Bell. 
wow. with Oliver with his gun oh my out. Gosh. And he's like, this isn't for you. It's for me. And so uh-huh. Ryan, Ryan has been called and Ryan is, you know, trying to leave. And Sandy does one of those really cool turns where he goes, hey, where are we headed? No, no, no. He goes, he says, give me the keys. And Ryan thinks he's telling him to give him the keys because he's not allowed to go anywhere. He's like, give me the keys. Give me the keys. Give me the keys. And Ryan finally hands him yeah. the keys and he goes, I'll, dri- I'll drive. Oh, God. Sandy coming in it's, clutch. It's so good. So the Final Fantasy VII combat music starts to play and they head to the God hotel. And um, they there's a little bit of finagling that has to be done with Natalie. Um, Sandy finally uses his powers. It's like when Gandalf uses his powers. And he pulls out his card and says, I'm a lawyer. And then, oh my gosh, I did the imitation. We just lost a star. Oh gosh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Robin. Uh-huh. Oh. He says, I'm wow. a lawyer. And, uh, and they, <laughs> I'll dub it in afterwards. And they, <laughs> and they go, they go upstairs and they have this really weird kind of situation where they're like waiting to hear if there's anyone other than Oliver in the hotel room. And then finally, Marissa, much like me at the beginning of this podcast, has to say something. And so she goes, oh, Ryan, he has a gun. And so they break in. They get in there and they uh, have this hang on, great hang on. talk. I have the only note I even really took for this episode. I didn't take very many notes for the ones that weren't mine. The only note I do have was whenever she says, Ryan, he has a gun. I laughed so fucking hard at when Oliver immediately turns to her and goes, oh, why would you do that? <laughs> I was fucking I – I watched it like six times. I'll put the audio in here because it was just so funny, the way he said it. It was very – it had like Cartman energy or something. Let's go. Ryan, he's got a gun. Let's go. Oh, why did you do that? Why? They all walk in. Oliver, I guess, is even more upset upon seeing his ex, Natalie, in the room. They all pull their guns out. It's a standoff. And Ryan, out of nowhere, becomes a hostage negotiator, which it's canon. It's canon that later this will cause him to become police commissioner in Gotham City. It's canon. It's canon. So, yes. So he, uh, so. He ends up talking to Oliver. He gives his great speech about, I know what it's like to have your parents abandon you and all this. Um, and they finally detain Oliver. And I mean, like, the Oliver saga is over. Well, he does tell Marissa. He does tell Marissa at one point during the freakout, like, how can you not tell I'm in love with you? So it's like, okay, that was all the con- confirmations that she needed finally, I think. I mean, besides the yeah. other insane shit, but yeah. She needs to be specifically told exactly what's going on. She doesn't get subtlety, right. I feel like, at least when it comes to relationships. But so they all go back. Seth, of course, is also feeling a little bit remorseful, much like Marissa. I feel like Seth needs to uh, you know, be told things directly. And he says, I will never fail you again. And that betrayal of brothers that we had at the very beginning, that betrayal of brothers that was on the comic book, it no longer exists because they're back together. And that is... The truth. I did like that scene that they included that scene at the end. Yeah. Seth did get a little bit of redemption because otherwise it's just unredeemable. And I'm glad that he owned up to it and was like, wow, I fucked up big time. So that made it a little better. But yeah. Yeah. It, it frustrated me a little bit, though, just because it was it was pretty much the same speech that he had whenever um, Donnie shot Luke. Like he was just like, oh, when we're apart, we're like not a team and something bad yeah. happens. It's the second time that Seth has mentioned Ryan having his back. Cause he also mentioned it in the very first episode after they got into the fight on the beach against the water polo team. Uh, did we even talk about how Seth and Anna break up? I actually forgot about that till I watched the next oh. episode and I was like, oh, I forgot they broke up. I forgot about it too. I, yeah. I, I don't even have a note, but yeah. Seth and Anna break up. She says, I'm not going to, she says, I'm not going to pretend to be your girlfriend when I'm not basically. 
that was a pretty good line. Yeah. It's a lot better than I can't do this anymore. That's, is that more clear for you? Do you think that they're still together after this episode, Ryan? I mean, we don't know that we don't know for sure. I'm just kidding. Yeah. No. <laughs> now that we're here, let's quickly do a, a like a quick rundown of the Oliver saga because there's so many things that still to me do not make sense. Um yeah. where is Oliver's parents? Where is he getting all this money? How does he know Rooney? How is he able to travel about willy-nilly with no problems he's able to go do whatever he wants did he ever go to pacific did he slit his wrist over a girl and that's it that was two years ago like none of this makes sense to me can anyone help me make sense of this um you guys clearly just haven't hung out with a lot of uh uber privileged people <laughs> and wow <laughs> you just got jinxed yes seriously i mean the deal is the deal is i don't know these people either yeah, like they every exist. every they exist for sure Everyone I hung out with, though, their parents were very much like, okay, like, you know, we'll, we'll swoop in when we need to, but you need to face the music. We're good parents. If you fuck up, you need to have consequences for it. Like, I hung out with kind of like those type parents, those type rich parents, you know? But, I mean, it's it's totally within the realm of possibility. I mean, that's how we grow up with... Th- that's how we've gotten the Trump children. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? There, there's parents who will... Or that, um, the uh, Jade at USC with Lori Laughlin. Like, I mean, that's... Oh, yeah. You know, it's that kind of scenario. Olivia where Jade. Olivia Jade. I mean, just where they will buy their kid out of any scenario and just not, not pay a lot of attention or do a lot of parenting. But it's not even... But it's there's a difference between not, not paying attention, not a lot of parenting, and he's literally alone the whole time that we've seen him the last... I mean, that this this arc takes place over at least a couple of weeks, and, like, his parents are never even in the same country as yeah. him. He just lives in a penthouse. Like... I, it does. It yeah, doesn't that, make sense to me. I get. I get the idea of like the parents being absent. Like, because I. I mean, I joke about it, but I do know people like Chelsea's talking about where the parents are just pretty much like, "Here's a trust fund. Have at it." Um, and so I feel like a lot of the Oliver stuff can be explained with the fact that he's incredibly rich, and his parents just don't care and are elsewhere. Don't want to be around him. But Natalie never Natalie never existed. Natalie, we know, is the, the concierge. She, I guess, babysat him at some point. I don't think he's 18 yet. He was throwing a New Year's Eve party at the penthouse where Anna said, I'm friends with the kid whose parents own this place I and mean, it wasn't no, she Oliver. said my parent no she said my parents are friends with the guy the guy's parents who owned this so the parents were the connection not anna and marissa and but, then, so, yeah. but marissa said do you know oh you know oliver and anna's like no who's oliver and that was the end of that that never right. was brought back so i was like is that his that penthouse? Is good we point. don't even know if that's his penthouse but like natalie works there so i guess it is yeah because it's if it's a parent's connection i yeah. mean i because i get what chelsea's saying where if it's like the parents know the whole thing but then how would Anna get the invite. Well, I mean, I this never happened to me because I was a super friendly kid. I mean, it I, was I it was a flyer. Friends. We remember if we we had yeah, that time. Oh, excuse me, a flyer. flyer. No, I had I had friends who were just like weird when they were young or really quiet or whatever. Who like they there were kids in our grade that their parents were good friends, but they never interacted. I mean, I guess ostensibly you could hmm. say the same thing about Marissa and Seth. Like their parents were good friends, but they never hung out. Yeah. So it could have been a situation yeah. like that. You know, they yeah. like just didn't acknowledge but, each other. And Anna was Anna wasn't even from here. So I think just Anna had like Anna has a rich parents too here. who just like, Oh yeah, we're friends. Oh yeah, tell your our son's throwing a party, tell your daughter about it. So it's kinda like reasonable that they wouldn't know each other, even though their parents are friends. Yeah. So the next piece of this puzzle would be um Natalie who did he cut his wrist over at Pacific? Did he he went to Pacific, he slid his wrist, they found him in the bathroom. 
Yeah. According to Dr. Kim, okay. that was two years ago is what she says in this episode. She goes, it was two years ago. He's been to like therapy and rehab and all these things since then. So he was a sophomore when this happened. But it was also brought up that like the reason he's now going to Harbor is because of that incident that happened two years ago. So he's just not been in school for two years or what? I don't get it. Yeah, that's weird. So I, I do have a couple thoughts about this. I think that he didn't slit his wrists over Natalie because he made up Natalie. Mm-hmm. Um, he did, I think, I think he uses Natalie kind of to, and I mean, Chelsea, from what I hear from, from Leslie and from like my sister, you know, a lot of times girls will feel more comfortable getting to know a guy if they know that that guy, like that they don't know if they know that he has a girlfriend. Or something like that. Is that is that like a thing? Because it's like, well, he has a girlfriend, so he just truly wants to get to know me as a friend, and I don't have to be... So it's kind of like one of those yes situations. Yes and no. Um, I, I don't know. Sometimes I kind of felt the opposite. Like, maybe it's different as hmm. a married person, but like, you know, you have yeah. like, you know, I'm on Twitter, I'm on TikTok, and sometimes you'll just like chit-chat with someone or laugh about a joke or whatever. And sometimes if it's someone who I know is married, then it's kind of like, okay, like... obviously sometimes it's like very clear that you guys are friends and brotherly and sisterly but like you know sometimes you're like oh well is this yeah you know what i mean i i don't know i think i think yes and no it it can it can backfire so it can backfire where you're like if this guy is married or if this guy's a girlfriend why is he paying so much attention to yeah and it comes it comes from a place of i'm never concerned like i think that a girl who was concerned for themselves would might be like oh this guy has a boyfriend so like it's safe he's not gonna like hit on me but my head is always like, I don't want anyone thinking anything weird's going on. So if it's like, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, no. And I, I feel like, especially with, with with Leslie, especially whenever we were friends, like when we weren't dating, she was the same way you were, where it was like, hey, Dylan has a girlfriend. I'm, I'm not going to, I don't want to get really, really involved with that because that's not fair to her or to Dylan. So I, I totally yeah, get that. Yeah, yeah. But like with the with the Natalie thing, I feel like you kind of use that as kind of an entry point where it's like, oh no, I have a girlfriend. You should know. You should get to know her. It's great. Blah blah blah. So that's kind of like the hooks. Mm-hmm. But then I think that he probably slit his. They don't know why you're laughing, Ryan, and that's what I love about this medium. <laughs> I uh, he bear clawed us. I, but so <laughs> <laughs> you just got bear clawed. But um, so I feel like he probably slit his wrists over the Pacific equivalent of Marissa. Mm-hmm. Um, which, which is, is troubling because that means that if he's done this before, if he slit his wrists and then he got sent to an institution, got better and then went to Harbor, that means, you know, five years from now or five years from this episode, he's going to go to another school and it's going to be the same thing all over again. Oh my God. Um, We had 22 year old senior. The really, really malicious thing, I think, is that if if Natalie truly never existed, then that note that he wrote was either 100% for Marissa or two, written with the knowledge that Ryan would see it and then that they would break up. So, like, his plans are plans within plans. And you got to admit, you got to admire the guy for being diligent and sticking to his plan Mm -hmm. and for those reasons only. I think he definitely wrote the note because he wanted Marissa to see, like, how much of a romantic he is. Oh, yeah. Well, my questions remain unanswered, but I don't think anyone's going to be able to put this together. Um, it does A lot of it just doesn't make sense to me, and it's too complicated, but um, we can move on to the next two episodes. Yeah, is there is there any other, like, big conclusions or takeaways that we can draw before we kind of, like, move on? 
I have I have one that is one hundred percent serious. I think that Danny, Dustin, Donnie, and Oliver still exist, but they exist in the Crab Shack, which we also never oh see again. Which is where all of these written off OC characters and go. And AJ, to don't forget about AJ. Oh, and AJ! He's running Holy it! Just two. thinking about Dustin and my boy Danny hanging together. It's really great. I bet Donnie and Holly are dating, and she's like, do you remember that time you like shot someone at my house? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I was on Vampire Diaries. Uh-huh. Oh my goodness. All right. Uh, wait, is now a good time to mention, since we're done with the Oliver, is now... I feel like now is a great time to mention that Dylan, a couple weeks ago, did send us a photo of what Oliver currently looks like in 2020. And uh, oh, he man. is just a fucking attractive man. He looks incredible. He we he, talk about how we talk about how yeah. great Luke has aged, but goddamn, Oliver has aged a, perfectly. A complete glow up, like Dylan just said, he long bottomed, like no. Oh my long-bottomed. god, yeah, yeah. It, it was yeah. It was zaddy status. That's. That's, it's, that's that's the American version. Like you know, we don't we have we have bathrooms. We don't have loos. We have Oliver Trasked. We don't have long bottomed. So it's the American version of it. And we're gonna make it happen on this podcast. I don't know. I kind of wanted to reserve Trasked for like when you get stalked. But I guess now we call that being stanced. <laughs> I don't know. Dear Marissa, I wrote you, and you still ain't calling. Wow. I I'm quitting the podcast. All right. All right, pod gang. Um, so obviously, uh, the Oliver arc was a pretty big storyline. Um, uh-huh. Something kind of unique happens uh, that happens on TV shows a lot, but we basically get a complete story arc reset at this point. Um, yep. Everything is oh, yeah. kind of tied up nicely. Seth and Anna have broken up. Um, you know, Sandy and Kirsten are on good terms. Julie is now uh, single, separated from Caleb, and now Oliver's gone. Oliver and this television show have broken up. <laughs> uh, we're we're going to breeze through these next two episodes for a couple reasons. First of all, I know that you guys have other things to do other than listen to us talk for three hours. Um, but also because these episodes... <laughs> episodes kind of suck. Yeah, they kind of suck. And no comic books. No these, comics. These yes. episodes were both fantastic episodes for Seth and Summer. But really, those are the only redeeming qualities for them. Don't you guys think? Nothing really happens in these two episodes. It's like, oh, Teresa's back and Ryan and Mercer are broken up. And that's like, that's two episodes. It's like, okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, they're pretty lame. So I broke each episode down into three acts. So I think I'll kind of just read the act and then let's talk about anything mm-hmm. interesting that happened. And then we'll move on to the next one. So Perfect. the heartbreak. <laughs> oh, you guys. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, everyone. <laughs> Wait, Sandy is on screen. I'll say Sandy's on screen for nine minutes and 42 seconds of the heartbreak. Dylan, what about some other things we need to know about this episode before we breeze through it? The heartbreak originally aired on February 18th, 2004. So after Valentine's Mm -hmm. Day, uh, 10.95 million viewers uh, watched it. And Josh Schwartz wrote it. So it should have been a really good episode. And there are some nice parts about it. Um, I will say it was organized very cleanly, which I appreciated. But act one, (laughs) Seth and Summer are finally together. So she's originally oh, yeah. not super happy when Seth comes and is basically like, "Hey, let's, <laughs> let's do the thing." Uh, she was not. She was original. She was not happy when Seth comes. You are correct. No, no. She's like, "I'm not your sloppy <laughs> seconds. Get out of here." Um, he goes to her room and he makes a very Chelsea didn't get the joke. Speech. Well, I didn't. You made a good joke. That's no, okay. Thank oh, you. it's one of those days. I got really into my my synopsis. Anyways, he goes to a room. <laughs> he makes a, a very impassioned speech about how um, for him, it's always been been you. 
Um, he's tried to deny it. He's tried to move past it, but he can't. And little 15-year-old me, I mean, I, ju I just about died. I just thought that that was one of the sexiest things ever. Um, they have sex, and it is mad awkward. Seth leaves with one, his confidence totally shaken. I just want to say one quick point. Uh, Josh Schwartz is a big fan of the callbacks, as mm -hmm. we know. The introduction to Princess Sparkle that we get mirrors the introduction to Captain Oates, where it's kind of a throwaway, where it's like, uh, where, where Seth goes, it's, it, it's, it's Captain Oates. Now let's talk. She goes, it, it's Princess Sparkle. Let's talk. So that I like that. That is cute. I, I like, I like good um, motifs like that. Um, but speaking Ooh. of awkward, we now have Ryan and Marissa. And remember, their last relationship <laughs> status was they were broken up. So Marissa, now that Oliver's gone, kind of expects things to go back to normal. Mm -hmm. But Ryan clearly isn't feeling it. So Marissa kind of senses their distance and panics and throws a Hail Mary by trying to have sex with Ryan. And he straight up dries her. Ryan does what Summer should have done, which is like, you didn't choose me. You chose the other person. And now you're coming back to me. And it's like, nah, nah, dog. I know it was just Marissa is an insane person. She lives outside, Dylan. Give her some. Give her some. I mean, we talk about break. cringe moments, but that's one of the most cringe moments of the entire season, I think. She really just oh, throws yeah. herself at him and thinking that it will make it better, but yeah. Because again, she attaches her worth with her sexuality. Mm -hmm. And that is heartbreaking. Well, and Marissa. She, she even Come goes, on. Don't you want to do it? And he goes, No. <laughs> <laughs> Great point. Like, I'm mortified for her. Uh, oh my God. She asked. Um, so over in adult world, Kirsten, for some reason, is really pumped about Valentine's Day. And for some reason, Sandy's just oh, not. Yeah. Um, so Kirsten is the chair of a big charity dance that every single person in Newport is going to. And Sandy's kind of being a dick about it. Like, she's really excited. And he's just kind of being like, oh, ha ha, noopsies. Blah, blah, blah. I am team Sandy for this for a very specific reason. The reason he's not into Valentine's Day is because he can't stop thinking about the fact that a kid almost killed himself in front of Marissa, Sandy, and everyone. Okay. So, like, he has a reason to not be cool about this. And I honestly think Kirsten, aside from her amazing pink suit, is going a little bit overboard. Um, I'm team Kirsten on this because she's ponying up and letting Fight. Sandy buy a restaurant. Okay, touche. No, I agree. He, he can be... He can be there for her one day a year. Like, it's not hard. It's not hard. And especially, he safe. was a public defender for his entire career until just a few months ago. Like, he's not spending his money to buy this restaurant. And uh, Tate doesn't have any money. So, literally, this whole thing so far is completely funded by Kirsten. He needs to be nice. He needs to put respect to her name. Um, also, in adult world, uh, Tate received cookies from a secret admirer. And then I said, mm, ooh, la la. Hmm. Um, Would you accept forgotten kisses from Tate? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, lastly, we have our favorite golden golden retriever, Luke. He clumsily stops by Julie's and asks for a textbook. And uh, Julie's kind of like, okay, you're not here for a textbook. What are you doing here? Uh -uh. Um, I mean, it's super goofy, but Julie's clearly into it and vibing with him. So basically, he's like, oh, are you going to be at the dance? And she's like, yeah, I'll be there. Okay, get out of my house. Bye. So that was act one. Um, is there anything else that kind of stuck out to you guys about those scenes? Just that Kirsten is really happy in the opener. It's so, oh, so happy she's been like all season is in that opening scene where she before Sandy shit, shits all over. Um, it's the happiest she's been. And it's also probably the most sober she's been, which is rare. I was like, I can't believe she's sober and happy at the same time. My husband pointed that out. He was uh, like, Kirsten spends the first two seasons being like kind of moody and or drunk. Like she's like not really a happy go lucky person at all. So it is a rare uh, mood for Kirsten to be in. So 
a couple things stood out for me in this first act. The first one is one of my favorite recurring jokes and one of the OC moments that I think about a lot. And it's the hello sunshine. Um, oh, whenever summer yeah. takes off her Great shirt one. every time it's, it's the, it's the hello sunshine. And then I'll do whatever you want. Summer. I love that. Summer actually looks really happy in that moment too. She does. She has she the really sweetest does. smile. So sweet. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's precious. And then, uh, so I, I don't know if I maybe missed this earlier, but I have a note that says Marissa was so ashamed that she cut her hair into bangs. Her bangs are wild in this episode. Yeah, she. I, I said Marissa's shame bangs on the beach. So did she, were the bangs new in this episode or yes. did I just make that up? They only exist in this episode. Um, so after act two, Seth is feeling really weird about fumbling his, uh, sex with Summer. And, you know, especially since Summer is more experienced than he is. He goes to Ryan and to Sandy for advice. Um, he describes it as awful fish sex with limbs everywhere, mm-hmm. which. He's like, I was just flopping around. Mm-hmm. Like a fish on dry land. <laughs> um, so Ryan basically kind of like grunts and doesn't say much to him. But Sandy has some of the most precious advice for him. Okay, hang oh, on, yeah. hang on, hang on. Ryan's advice is do it again, which is great advice. But also, Dylan, question for you. Would you ever go to your oh. bros for sex advice, especially when you were that age? Absolutely not. No, absolutely I would, um... not. It's so weird. Absolutely, absolutely not. not. Because, okay. because, because they would make fun of me. Oh, wow, yeah. girls are the opposite. It's because you're more yeah. highly evolved. Yeah, it's because you're smarter and better. So yes. <laughs> oh my god, no, girl, girls and gay guys constantly. We talk about sex. We talk about what we do. We talk about what we don't do. We talk about what the, our partners suggest that we do. It. We leave it all out there. That is a girl thing. But Sandy does have some better advice. We Coens are very sexual beings, is what he says, and that was not a Cohen imitation. That was not a Sandy. But you started. I with started it. I, I heard started, it. and then I stopped. Yeah, I heard it. I'm sorry, that's half, st- that's half a star. My favorite. My favorite thing that he says is he goes, "You have so many women lately. Who was it?" And he's like, "Summer, you dog, you." Like I love that line. It's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so they try to have sex again and again. Hello, sunshine plays. Summer does takes off her shirt and has her adorable smile. And uh, they both leave mildly injured again. Yeah, and so the question is: Was <laughs> Summer was Summer always secretly a geek? Because in this episode, so she reads comics in the last mm-hmm. episode. Then in this episode, it opens up with her playing Galaga, trying to beat the high score, and then she describes Seth's foreplay as the Vulcan nerve pinch. So she's <laughs> referencing. So Great she's point. referencing. So is she like? The question is, is like, is she secretly a nerd or is this just Josh Schwartz writing everyone like Seth Cohen? I think she's just a sponge and whoever's around her is just defines her personality. I knew what a Vulcan Vulcan thing was, but in all honesty, I think I knew what it was because Summer said that. And I asked my dad, like, what's a Vulcan? And then he showed me. So I don't know. Now now we're getting very meta up in here. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, the crew is setting up for this party that Kirsten's throwing. And lo and behold... Teresa, Ryan's ex from Chino, is there. Yeah. Oh, Aunt Teresa. <laughs> yeah, this is so funny. Me and my sister are watching these episodes together. And um, when, when Ryan and, and uh, Teresa are, like, walking and talking together, my sister goes, she looks like that's his aunt. She's the cool, she's the cool aunt. Yep. She looks so 
she looks not like a teenager at all. But the there was a funny line. Ryan had a funny line. Ryan had a funny line, and then the next episode, Caleb had two funny lines. We'll get there. But Ryan's oh, yeah. funny line. Ryan's funny line here was whenever uh, Marissa walks into the party and she sees Ryan and Teresa together. He just goes, "She's just like, oh hey, I'm catering," and he just goes, "She's a caterer." <laughs> um so anyways him and he's really excited to see Teresa, especially he's just been through a hard time and ryan kind of shares the entire uh debacle with Teresa, and she is refreshingly supportive of his actions like she was the one who kind of spit it back clearly even it, it even clarified the situation to me she was like so you knew this guy was bad news no one believed you not the cohen's not not Seth, not your girlfriend, not the school. And then something turned out bad. So I, I think that that was kind of yeah. cool. I'm sure he felt really validated in that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it's a big comfort for him to have someone who not only believes him without question, but is someone he grew up with and, you know, loves and trusts. Um, yeah. As he's kind of setting up, Luke is there too. And of course he uh, is being kind of weird and is asking everyone during setup, like, he's hey. weird Luke. Do you, do you know oh, like Julie? <laughs> do you know Julie's gonna be here? And Ryan's like Julie, and he's like, oh yeah, I'm like getting a head count. <laughs> I want it so badly because he's just like, I'm just trying to like get a head count. And then he like walks away, and the the scene just kind of stays on Ryan for like a second. And I wanted Ryan so badly to just be like, that was weird, but he didn't. Or like, or weird. give a give a, a shoulder shrug or a head shake or something. Yeah, we, we don't get that. Um, you know, kind of re- we don't get that reward yet, but it's coming. Uh, meanwhile, Sandy and Kirsten are still bickering. And Jimmy kind of catches a comment from Kirsten about how her sister Haley made those uh, forgotten kisses cookies. Mm. So he puts two and two together and he actually tracks her down to a boat. And he asks her on a date at their uh, future restaurant site. I don't know how he found her, by the way. That was weird. He hired Oliver. (laughs) He hired Oliver. (laughs) I've got a new woman in my life for you to stalk. (laughs) There is one thing that I want to bring up. And this... I kind of like Ryan is super harsh, I feel like, to Marissa, but I feel like it's a little bit justified because there's this whole thing where Marissa's like, so what? Like, I don't know what's going on between us. So what's going on? It's like, you broke up with him, is yeah. what happened. You broke up with him. And so that's why it's just kind of like, well, what's what's the deal here? What's going on? Um, you think he's but, being harsh to Mar- I don't think he's being harsh at all. Well, you, okay, maybe not. You you convince me. I think I think I, he's uh, being I think he's being harsh, but I I do think that it's like warranted. And he's just being kind of cold, like I she dumped yeah. him. I feel like he needs to be a little bit he's being harsh in that sure they broke up, sure all this happened, but she just went through something com- like terrifying and you'd think he would be a little bit warmer to it like like maybe instead of just saying no, it would just be more of a look we we broke up over this situation. I don't know if I'm ready for it. Well, hold on. He's 16. He probably wouldn't say any of that. But I don't know. Well, no, they I, went through um, this whole. They went through this huge thing because she, like we, like Chelsea has documented in the past. She has attachment issues. She attaches yeah. herself to other people. So she attached herself to Oliver. Once that blew up, she just wants to attach herself to Ryan again. She's incapable of being just on her own. And I think he senses that and needs her to be on her own. One thing that I do he needs think to be also, on his own as well. Yeah. One thing that is very cute in this episode is that when Teresa goes back to the pool house, she and Ryan are wearing the same outfit. Oh, yeah. She was a caterer and he was at the party. 
Yeah. yeah. So cute. Well, uh, so something I was wondering about is I was like, how is she a caterer if Chino is so far away? But Chino's only 45 minutes away. So really, it's not that, that Well, this is, this is another part of a story that I don't understand more so in the next episode. And we find out that she's like staying at a hotel in yeah. Newport because mm-hmm. she's like there for work. But it's like she lives not that far away. And it's weird. We'll so get to it. in my head, Chino was like um, OKC to Tulsa distant. So then it would make sense to stay all night. But really, it's it's 45 minutes away. It's like it's Norman to Edmund. Yeah. Yeah, it's like yeah, but she's staying. Dead, but yeah. she's staying for a week as well. It's a whole thing. We'll get to it. Oh, okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's um, all I have for Act Two. So to kind of yeah to, f- to finish up the uh, episode, um, it largely takes place at the Valentine's Day gala that Kirsten is in charge of. So Marissa is just getting desperate, and she tries to start over with Ryan, and does this really clunky thing where she holds out her hand, and she's like, "Hello, I'm Marissa. What's your name?" And it's just- I hated it. Hated it. Awkward. I like that they added. I like that the the scene was in there because it just really put it out there. They're like, oh, she's really trying. She's getting out of her comfort zone and she's trying something weird. And Ryan completely rejects it. And it would have been so much easier for her to just be like, hey, can we start over? And Ryan's like, no. And be like, okay. But they actually made it awkward. Yeah. You know what I mean, like, like they wanted purpose, to highlight how hard she was trying and how much yeah, yeah, Ryan yeah. just wasn't like going to have anything about it. But she is sitting at a table by herself, sobbing. Like I like it, it is a big amount of crying for a public space, and Sandy comes over. <laughs> someone and kind with bangs for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. Sandy comes over, kind of tries to comfort her, and you know, kind of enlightens her to Ryan's abandonment issues and why he's pulling away. And Kirsten overhears a speech, melts on it, and just like that, Kirsten and Sandy are good again. Heck yeah! That's right. Um, he surprises her with an insane number of chocolates and rose petals in their room. And, like, I know that was supposed to be romantic, but all I thought about was, like, oh, my God, I'd be so mad if Alex did that because what a fucking mess to clean up. That's a cleanup. Yeah, it's a big And cleanup. also super dangerous to have all those candles lit when no one's home. Valid point. Dylan. <laughs> I, love, I love that we got simultaneous conflicting reactions. That's what I'm here for. I'm the Oliver Trask in this group. <laughs> Um, so Julie's at the party. She's not having fun. She just got dumped. Uh, she leaves early, uh, to, uh, drink alcohol and listen to Bob Seger, which mad respect. Yep. And, um, Luke is kind of lurking on her the whole time at the party. And eventually after she leaves, he just shows up at her house in like a really goofy attempt to cheer her up. Um, he, he kind of gives her a speech just how she's a wonderful woman and I, what what my big question about that scene is I I don't think that Luke went over to the house trying to hook up. I think oh, he I think went he over. I think he went over because he was feeling genuine emotion and wanted to cheer her up, but never in a million years thought like, oh, she would be interested in me. I think, I think he, he went. Moved. I think he went over to like make a move. I don't know if specifically trying to fuck that night. I think he went over to make some sort of move. He wouldn't have brought up like all the milf stuff and the ultimatum, which is a game called Ultimate M, by the way. See, I think he's too golden retriever and too earnest for that. I think he honestly just wanted to go over there and, like, cheer her up and, like, be around her. But, yeah, if you want to consider that making a move, yes, maybe. But I don't think that Luke went over there within his head thinking, like, me and Julie are going to make physical contact past, like, a hug, maybe. He knew what he was doing. Oh, man. See, he I don't know. asked for the biology textbook. <laughs> like, come on, bro. I think he's more pure than that. I don't know. I don't he also know. cheated on Marissa with Holly, so he's not. I mean, he's not that pure, but yeah. Okay, good. Well, Andy would cheated on a bunch of people before, before Holly too. So yeah. I don't know. Um, but we still love and you, Luke. Teresa's on her break, so her and Ryan uh, go back to the pool house and just catch up and reminisce about old times. In the um, same outfit. Yeah, Ryan is clearly a different demeanor. He's relaxed and comforted being there. Um, 
It's kind of funny because she leaves and Marissa, like, kind of pumped up after Sandy's speech, like, opens the door and kind of storms in and is like, where is she? <laughs> <laughs> it's really weird. I don't know. That's another, but I feel like that's another good scene of, like, here's Marissa trying and failing. Yeah. Like, I just, I mean, she, where is she? And, like, she, Teresa isn't there. It's just Ryan. He's kind of like, okay. And she's basically like, I'm not going to abandon you. And then she just has to leave. Like, they don't reconcile in that moment. It's just more awkwardness. So that's kind of how it's left off um, in that moment. Um, The last part and probably, again, like, the most redeeming storyline from this whole episode is Seth and Summer. So after there's, you know, two or three attempts at sex that just go terrible, terribly at the party, Seth basically goes up to Summer and tells her that just he knows that he's been a disappointment in the sack and he knows he's not ready for her um, and wants to basically like bow out of trying to be her boyfriend. That's so um, weird, so, but yeah. yeah. It, 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 was real, it was really weird. I don't know anyone who would have done that, but, um, you know, go off. He Seth, knew what whatever. he was doing. So Summer doesn't really say anything. She's wearing this fabulous outfit, um, outfit of the episode, actually. And it's really, I mean, her red dress is nice, but what really stands out is she has this awesome ponytail that's, like, parted and kind of, like, wrapped around so you can't see the ponytail holder. Mm, excuse me. If you're a girl, you know how <laughs> difficult it is to uh, execute that hairstyle. So, like, mad props. That that was a big moment. Good good on whoever did that. But she shows up to Seth's room, and she's like, by the way, like... You aren't the only virgin in the room, and Seth doesn't understand. He's like, there was someone in the room with us? <laughs> like filming us? <laughs> like what? And she's like, no. Oliver. It was Oliver. I, yeah. I was, I was a virgin, and we just blew past this really big moment in both of our lives. Um, so they kind of come to an agreement at the time, like, okay, let's both kind of restart and slow down. And um, Seth plays a song, and they slow dance. And again, it's, it's really adorable. It's one of those moments that, you know, I was watching this probably before I ever had a real boyfriend. Um, but whenever I had one or was thinking about like, Ooh, do I like this guy? Like that moment is kind of what I pictured in my head. Having a boyfriend would be like, what what did you guys feel whenever you kind of saw that? Well, he didn't just play any song, Chelsea. He played a cover of Wonderwall by notable garbage human, Ryan Adams, which we do really enjoy this cover of, uh, of the, of the song. And which is why it's a musical moment of the episode, in my opinion. Terrible man, wonderful song on vinyl. Yeah. He, yeah. He put it on, on vinyl, which was. I mean, he had it queued up, right? Like, he had it already on the turntable. So you, you knew something was going down. It's kind of like how you <laughs> keep condoms in your wallet. But, yeah. <laughs> I um, I will say that I really liked and thought that the um, conversation between Seth and Summer kind of about sexual agency and kind of what that means was so much healthier than what we saw from Ryan, Luke, Marissa thing. Definitely. And it's really interesting because, I mean, we also have a much healthier starting over conversation. And so it's almost as if kind of the the, now that the toxic kind of triangle you know i don't like triangles they're pointy um now that that's gone and you just have seth and summer it's almost like they're a really good foil to show what a healthy relationship is supposed to look like and how a couple that kind of knows what they're doing i guess deals with problems which is bizarre to say after you know what it took to get to seth and summer but um, but that's just my take, and I found it really refreshing. And I tend to agree with you, Chelsea, that they were the most redeeming part of these two episodes. Well, you Agreed. know what? I'll piggyback off of that because obviously the way that Summer started in this season and the way that she ended at the end of the season, I think Summer by far has the most emotional maturity, definitely of their friend group, but maybe of all the characters on the show. 
Yeah, um, I, I agree. You know, she's she's emotive and she can express herself, but she always used. I mean, she has the rage blackouts too. LOL. But like, I mean, I think that she deals with things a lot better than most of the other kids. Mm-hmm. I agree with that, and I started thinking that whenever she had the conversation with Seth about Donnie, where Seth manipulated her, but she was being very real with him. Amazing, but yeah, that was that was the heartbreak. I said Donnie. I meant Danny. Sorry, I get my I get my boys confused. Danny, big funny, <laughs> Danny Donnie. Uh, that was the heartbreak. Uh, last episode on the disc, and probably the worst one on the disc. Yeah, this Maybe episode the worst sucks. one of the whole season. I don't know. Uh-huh. It's, uh, this or it the is... Donnie episode are up there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I totally agree. These, those are the worst two. Um, but this one is called the telenovela. Uh, guys, give me the stats. Sandy Cohen was on screen in the telenovela for eight minutes and twenty-two seconds, which is not a great start. So you know the episode's not as good as it could have been. <laughs> No. I uh, It could have benefited from more Sandy. Uh, I will tell you that it originally aired on February 25th, 2004 to 9.56 million viewers. So it seems like we're not the only ones that think there's been a drop in quality. The viewers did as well. Uh, this one was written by Stephanie Savage. Um, as we all know, Ryan and Marissa officially broken up. But Teresa... Suddenly in Newport, a whole lot lurking around. Mm-hmm. I don't get but it. Wait. I don't understand. <laughs> it appears Teresa already has a boyfriend and domestic partner back in their hometown of Chino named Eddie. Hmm. Sweaty Eddie. Sweaty Eddie. Uh, Summer and Seth are now a couple, but uh-oh, everybody. <laughs> uh-oh. <laughs> This is the stupidest yeah. podcast. Chelsea says it in such a bad way. I, I do you not find it endearing? I thought you it's would. Great. Damn it! No, I do. You're living your best life. You're going for oh it. God. I respect it. So, Southern Summer are a couple, but apparently not a public one. Uh, the captain of the swim team asked Summer to be the subject of a kissing booth with him as a fundraiser. Um, kissing booths, like, are these really a thing? Like, I feel like I've only seen them on t- TV shows and movies. Like, isn't that a little, like, prostitute I've never seen a kissing booth in my entire life. I think that... That's how COVID... That's how COVID Right? Started. I thought the same thing. There's a lot of COVID <laughs> things. Uh, a lot of them... Uh, yeah, kissing booths are so weird, especially to put up in a high school. Is it not prostitute Like, we're gonna that. pay $10 and get get a makeout session I mean, it's not, like they it's, do it and she's the man also and it's kind of weird it's not that different from the swingers party where you go like where does the consent line begin and end here well there is no consent line for anyone who's a minor minors can't consent if that's another minor though m-i-n-e-r or m-i-n-o-r <laughs> Big coal. A lawyer's dodge. Lots of coal in this episode. All right, go ahead. So there's a ton of lurking in this episode because um, Seth's bummed out that Summer won't acknowledge them as a couple in public. Um, and Anna's kind of lurking in the background um, observing and just kind of, you know, seeing what's going on. So we have Teresa lurking. We have Anna lurking so far. Also lurking is we have Luke. I take that back. The lurker in this situation is actually Tate. Luke runs into Julie in the hallway, and they have a conversation. And from this conversation, we know 100%, without a doubt, they're definitely fucking. Yes. Um, Basically, he kind of approaches her like you would someone you're hooking up with and, like, alluding to hooking up with later. And Julie's kind of like, hey, we're in public. I'm a parent, and you're a student. And But at the same time, they're both kind of vibing in the middle of the hallway, which is really weird. And Tate just kind of lurks up behind him. And he's like, oh, hey. Hey, Luke. What's going on? Um, it, it's he's not overt yet. It, like it's definitely not overt yet, but he still just like catches the vibe. 
No, no, there we are. We are made very aware when Julie says like we can't do this in the hallway. I'll see you tonight. What I don't like is how forward and flirty she is with him in that scene. Where if you smash to the to the end of the episode, she's being like a real asshole. He like calls her, and or you know she calls him, and he says, "Oh hey, yeah, Mrs. Don't Scope. say my don't name. say my name." And I'm like, "You you remember, you remember yesterday when you approached him in the hallway at public school in front of all the students? Like, come on." We, weird scene, but yeah, we, that, that's our trifecta of lurkers. Well, we the, the scene with the scene with Tate and Julie together is great. Anytime they're together now, it's really, really good stuff. Well, it's really nice because they they actually have really good chemistry. They're kind of going back and forth with each other. They're being really friendly. And he makes a comment like, wow, you and Caleb must be happy. That's why you're in such a good mood. And she's like, oh, no, actually, we broke up. And he's like, hmm, wow, the nicest Julie is uh, single and poor. This is interesting. Um, so that that's kind of what's going on in Act 1. Oh, and we move on to Act 2. Um, as I like to say, over up, uh, over in grown-up land, an associate <laughs> of the Newport group is in trouble, and Caleb begrudgingly asks Sandy for help. It turns out the person in trouble is Uncle Sean, and he's in trouble for stumbling drunk into someone else's hotel room. But Uncle Sean isn't really an uncle. Instead, he is on uh, the Newport group's payroll, as a quote-unquote consultant, mm-hmm. but everyone knows that actually means he's a shady mob box fixer type. Um, you know, Sandy asks, asks Kirsten, like, what does he do? And she's like, oh, he knows people. And he's like, what What do you mean? And she's like, oh, you know, he's like a liaison with unions and, and stuff. Like, she's very vague. Um, but basically, Sandy digs into it more, and he finds out that the hotel room that drunk Uncle Sean stumbled into, it's not just any hotel room, but it is um, one of a competing developer who was meeting with a uh, like lumber salesman or something like that. Can't do that. So obviously, we know this is sketchy as fuck. Um, what, so my question is, how, and how much do you think Kirsten knows about this Uncle Sean character? None. I don't think she knows anything. Yeah. I think she just knows him as Uncle Sean. The thing I don't understand is why he would turn it, turn it around and say, I'm going to talk to the DA about what Caleb's doing, his kind of shady do- dealings, if you don't, like, forget about this, I guess, is kind of what he's trying to say, right? Well, he's saying, yeah. Sandy, you have to get me out of trouble. Like, or I'll start talking. Or I'll start talking. That That's him blackmailing them to, like, hey, Sandy, you have to help me out of this, pretty much. Okay. Although I will say he does have very good taste in scotch. Uh, famous grouse. God, I can't believe most... you said that. Oh my god! It's well, well. Hear me out. So it's actually the most popular scotch in Scotland because it's only in the United States that we have this weird thing with blended whiskey. And famous grouse is actually a blend of Highland Park and Macallan. So like two really good single malts. Okay, blend I just want to say that um, friend, our friend Spencer Hicks and I used to host a weekly trivia night together at the Speakeasy, and when we would order, Shout we would Spencer. order a scotch, and they would give us famous grouse because that's like their house, like scotch, and we hated it. It tastes like shit. It's garbage, and we made fun of it so much at trivia nights. We spent a year just making fun of how bad it was. <laughs> we gotta talk about the podcast now. Wow. <laughs> that was a scotch minute. Yeah, brown things straight boys drink. Interesting. Let's talk about $40,000 handbags again. Oh, uh, okay. Touche, touche. <laughs> it's okay. At least I'm not talking about comic books here. Agree. Agreed. That, <laughs> I don't have it. Yeah. Uh, Seth confronts Summer about her icy coldness at school. Um, he does this while they're in bed together, which is like, 
I, I don't I feel like watching this episode, we're led to believe that they go to school and then they go to Summer's house and they have sex every day. Is that the vibe you guys were getting? I'm for it. I'm pro this. I mean, that's 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 pretty much like the high school thing is like you go to school and then you go and you just do one other thing. I mean, for me, it was, you know, I'd go home and, you know, play Wind Waker, Legend of Zelda Wind Waker on GameCube, but I mean, like, I feel like that's a pretty normal thing but to yeah, do. Yeah, even whenever know. Ryan and Marissa decide they're going to try and hang out as friends, she literally, there's like, we're going to hang out as friends, and she goes, okay, your house? And it's like, oh, that's what they do in high school. They just go to each other's houses, right? They don't really go out that often. Well, I mean, but but did they, ha- they have sex every day after school? Like, I that would never, okay, first of all, after Maybe school. Maybe they were doing laundry. I had cross country, then after cross country, I had to go to, the, like, the high school musical rehearsals, then after that, I might have had an ultimate frisbee tournament. I don't know. Were I you in high school? School musical too? Um, I, I, yeah, I kids bop. They're like, oh, from kids bop. We gotta hire her. No, no um, I, you- yeah, I, I was that kid who was like in every single club and was probably the president of half of them. I, I was Taylor Townsend, pretty much. Okay, well, no, well, feel, Summer doesn't have to go to scat, so she, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> has time to have sex our with shirts, her boyfriend. Our shirts for scat on the back said everybody wants to be in scat and had like the cartoon of scat cat from Oliver and company. It was pretty epic. Shout outs to uh, my fellow scout. Shout out to scat cats. And Oliver. Scat cat. Um, Oliver and company. Why did we say that? Yeah. (laughs) We just said it. I just was going to breeze past it. Um, Anyways, I don't know. I think it's weird to just immediately go home and have sex. Like I... My my mom was home most of the time, or my little sister, whatever. I guess that Summer's uh, step step monster is always pilled out, mm. so it's not an issue. Just normal pills. Um, but uh, Seth kind of confronts her, and he's like, "Hey, why are you ignoring me?" And she has like a bizarre explanation that sounds exactly like the lifespan of Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez's relationship. You know, she talks a lot about that failed was Geely, and, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, Geely oh, and she, going to strip clubs and. All kinds of stuff like that. Um, so he's kind of like, okay. And when he goes home and his family asks him about it, you know, he kind of parrots what she says. And he's just like, oh, yeah, you know, overexposure. Like Summerith or Sethummer, which I thought was kind of funny because how poorly those names mash up together. So why is Anna? And of course, she's in a striped long sleeve shirt underneath a silky puffy sleeve, <laughs> sleeve blouse. It's very strange. Uh, tells him that he has to take a stand if he wants things to improve. Why is she helping him at this point? Like, why is she even... I don't, I don't understand I this. Yeah, I'm just like, what is she doing here? She does have yeah. a great line, though. She says, Wonder Woman is supposed to have an invisible jet, not an invisible boyfriend. I did like yeah. that, but that was the only thing I liked about her in this episode. Yeah, that was, that was a good line. Um, but another funny thing that happens is after, you know, she kind of pumps him up and she's like, you have to do something. You can't just let this stand. Um, Seth comes to her house and she's kind of like, woohoo, sexy time. And he basically announces a sex strike. He's like, nope, I'm not crossing the line. We're not doing this until you, um, you know, acknowledge me publicly. Mm-hmm. And he holds the line and, you know, he leaves. And I guess that they just like didn't hook up that day. But that to me, that's such a 180 from summer, like the last episode being like, oh, the sex was bad and I don't want to do it anymore. And now she just like wants it so badly. Yeah, all the, every single day after school. That's a lot. Oh, okay. So Marissa and Ryan try to hang out as friends and they like play video games. It's, I it's, hate that. It, it's so cringe. It. It's so cringe. Um, it goes about as comfortably as you'd expect it to. Um, Marissa does that thing, that video game thing where it's someone who doesn't play video games that tries to use the controller like it's motion activated like this. Yeah. It drives me insane. That's almost as bad as the empty coffee cup thing in TV. 
It's like people playing instruments, empty coffee cups, and people playing video games on TV. Yeah. Cut it out. Get it away. She just like takes her thumbs and like very aggressively like is punching at the the controller. So in an earlier scene though, um, Ryan and Seth were at high school and Seth got a phone call, but it was actually from Teresa who got his number from Kirsten. Um, And we find out that she's coming over to the Cohen's house for, to hang out with Ryan or for dinner or something. So there's this awkward crossover when Marissa's leaving from video games with Ryan and, and uh, uh, Teresa's coming over for video games with Ryan. Uh, they kind of see each other. Tag team. But um, Teresa was brought into the to the house by Rosa. Rosa's still here. What? I didn't even notice that. Yeah. She's always Rosa, here. Rosa brings her in. Another lurker. Add four to this episode. That's amazing. <laughs> Um, a few scenes later, uh, Ryan Ryan's hanging out, and he runs into this new character named Eddie. And it's apparent from the way that they greet each other that Eddie's an old friend from Chino. Um, apparently, Eddie's friends with uh, Ryan's older brother. Um, you know, they're kind of talking about old times, and he's like, "Wow, you really, you know, did well for yourself. Look at this huge palace you're living in." Um, but Eddie drops the bomb that he not only is there looking for Teresa, but they're engaged and she's kind of just run away on him. Are they engaged though? Or did he propose to her? He proposed to her and she left it kind of ambiguous, but you know, he's like, Oh, I got her. I got her an engagement ring. Ugh. Also, how old, how old are we supposed to think that Eddie is? Because he's not in school. He has a full-time job. Is he probably 18, 19 in the show? I was guessing he was like 21 or 22. Okay. Um, you know, the next school day happens and the awkwardness continues um, because Ryan goes to pick up Teresa to hang out for a night and invites her to a family dinner. And Marissa kind of just shows up for dinner at the Cohen's, which you really can't blame her. I mean, she lives outside. Right. I would want to sit inside at a table when I was eating. So I think that's pretty 100%. reasonable. Yeah, Chelsea's in now. I love this. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I-, I can bit. I'll bit with you guys. Thank you. <laughs> She's running bits. Um. <laughs> Also, by the way, we already knew this, but Luke and Julie fully fucking in a mm-hmm. janky motel, the mm-hmm. one called the Mermaid Inn, that Teresa happens to be staying at also. Next door. My my Yikes. note was uh, Chekhov's Motel, question mark? That's <laughs> not how it works. It's Chekhov's Mermaid. Um, also, I just wanted, it, it was interesting that when Ryan and Eddie had that conversation outside the Cohen's house, Ryan straight up lied to him again. Like, Ryan's just lying a lot right now. He, he does he, make, not a nice, he does make not a nice he does boy. make up for it later in the episode he like apologizes for lying but he straight up just lied I thought that was interesting I so Julie and uh Luke fully hooking up Julie kind of like has a moment of clarity and is like Luke what are we doing like this isn't things that people do you know this isn't something of great romance so she kind of breaks it off with him but I don't think it's in like super definitive terms she's hanging out her, at her house and Caleb just shows up late at night with flowers. And dressed so, like Rick Perry. Oh, yeah. I mean, and he, he says something along the lines of like, you know, we're both adults and, you know, we, we should come to some sort of arrangement where we both get what we want out of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What did you guys think about that? I mean, money. And, and she, she wants money. Off. He wants like, sex. Yeah. Well, she mm. wants she probably wants to continue living in that house that he owns. Right. But basically, she calls him out and she's like, are you here for a booty call? And he's kind of like, wait, what? what's a booty call? We got to remember he's in his 60s and Julie's our age. So, you know, 
it's understandable that he doesn't know what a booty call is. Mm -hmm. But basically, she slams the door in his face, and he's standing on the porch by himself with flowers, and he kind of mutters to himself, like, well, I guess this was a booty call. Which That's the best. That's my favorite line of the episode, him saying, I guess it was a booty call. My second favorite line of this episode (laughs) was also Caleb, whenever he was talking to Sandy at the restaurant about uh, helping Uncle Sean. And he's like, oh, it's my mother's meatloaf. And Caleb just quickly looks around and goes, oh, God, is your mother here? (laughs) 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 Oh, my God. Isn't that the Nana? Uh, Yeah. Oh, yeah. The Nana. We we get to meet her in an episode or two. I think this episode, there's something very important that happens in this episode. I think this is our first intro to The Valley, the show within a show. Isn't it? Is it? I think because I think Marissa is watching. She's sitting in the dark watching the valley. Yeah, Summer is watching the valley. Summer's watching it. Summer's watching it when Seth comes over, or maybe that was the episode before. Oh, she says I'm studying. She says I'm studying naked. She's actually watching. Yeah. Okay. 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 The epic show within the show. Do you guys think that in the OC universe there are three people who love the valley who are doing a keeping up with the valley equivalent of the Coens podcast? It would have been. Yeah, it's Ryan, Marissa, and Oliver, right? Or it would be Seth no. Seth it would be Danny, Anna, and Dustin the dog. Who was who? <laughs> Am I the dog? Am I the dog? No, you're definitely you're definitely Danny. Oh my god! Chelsea's the dog. <laughs> I can be the dog. Yeah. I'll take that. I just trying to forget. No, she's the most charismatic and fun and well liked. <laughs> yeah. I like it when people rub my hair. Yeah. I'm an acquired taste, mm. uh, but Ryan la- secretly loves me. <laughs> last act of this uh, kind of bland episode, uh, Anna calls Summer out for the way that Summer's been treating Seth. Um, Summer kind of has a vulnerable moment and shares her fears that Seth is going to just, quote unquote, get bored and dump her like every other guy she's dated. Um, so Anna kind of does her wise girl uh, thing and you know talks to Seth and encourages him to do something big to, that will really make Summer feel secure. Which is kind of which is backfired for for Danny going big did not work backfired for Marissa going big with Ryan did not work. <laughs> but Seth, she's she's like You're, we're we're gonna need to pull out a grand romantic gesture. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's kind of thinking about that. Meanwhile, Sandy confronts Caleb about Uncle Sean getting caught being shady, and you know we kind of talked about this earlier, but Caleb tells Sandy like if he goes down for corruption, so will Kirsten. Uh, basically forcing Sandy uh, to go about this this whole shady thing and get get Uncle Sean off the hook. Um, so that, that obviously, you know, they're kind of arranging a um, storyline in the coming episodes. But I think that that's just kind of a perfect illustration of why uh, Sandy hates Caleb so much. Like, you know, Sandy yeah. is incredibly honest and, um, you know, very ethical when it comes to business matters. And clearly, Uncle Cal- like, you know, Grandpa Caleb is not in that same camp. I just wish he would die. Wow. Foreshadowing. That's <laughs> ominous. That's five shadowing. Okay. Um, so the so Seth has been cooking on the idea of like what grand gesture he should do. And meanwhile, this kissing booth has started. So Ugh, literally the kissing it. booth is kind of what you'd think it would be. Her and the captain of the swim team are like sitting at a table and people are coming up and kissing them and like ew who would even want to participate in that like not as the kisser but as the kissy like i I would be too embarrassed to be like i'm having to pay this girl to kiss me and other people are going to see it and she might react negatively like it's too too many things are at risk even pre-covid i'd be like that's a lot of germs changing hands Mm -hmm. but that's besides the point 
we're here to talk about Seth and Summer. Mm-hmm. And they're at this kissing booth. And so there's a huge line. Apparently, a ton of people were really into this kissing booth. I don't know whether they were participating or whether they were just like keeping tabs on who was participating. But Seth jumps up on the table and in front of everyone gives this beautiful and passionate speech that, again, gave me goosebumps. Oh, every single guy that I kind of had a crush on in high school, I would picture them doing something funny like that for me um, to just profess their love and, like, make me feel really special and, like, you know, the chosen one in the crowd. Um, You look at the crowd and all of the dudes in the crowd are just, like, smirking and laughing at him. But every single girl in the crowd has the biggest smile on their face. There are, like, there's, like, a pack of cheerleaders that have, like, their hand over their heart. Mm -hmm. They're sighing in admiration. And um, so after, you know, his successful speech, that's basically like, acknowledge me now or lose me forever, Summer. Summer, you know, gets up on the table with him and they have this beautiful Hollywood moment kiss. Well, he has a cool moment where he literally says like, yeah, I'm this big, I'm this big dork that listens to emo and I'm dating this girl. And like to her, that was him publicly acknowledging her, which I feel like she also kind of needed and wanted. Heck yeah. Yeah. That was cool. It was good. Since um, when does emo make you geeky, though? That's the thing that kind of threw me he off. Didn't, he said, I'm a geek that listens to emo. He didn't say, uh, well, the guy the guy next well, to her did say, the guy called him an emo, emo geek. geek. Yeah. Well, they're, they're not too, but they're not, they're not mutually exclusive. You can be emo, you can be a geek, or you could be both, and you're an emo geek. That makes sense. Yeah. That's for it. Um, so the episode it. ends, um, you know, obviously Ryan and Marissa are broken up, and him and Teresa are definitely vi- vibing. But the ep- episode ends on no, um, you know, ambiguous note. Like, it ends with Ryan and, and Teresa, you know, kissing outside of her uh, room at the Mermaid Inn. Well, there was the, there was the scene where Ryan went went to Chino to talk to Eddie, which was crazy. Oh, he drove the whole way. Yeah. And so, I don't, I'm just kind of confused about what is happening. Where he's talking to Eddie and saying, that like, oh, Teresa is in town. And she told me you're engaged. Or she, or, or no, Teresa is in town and we've been hanging out. And Eddie's just kind of like, well, you've got to figure out what you're going to do. Because I, I just don't get it exactly. He's like, you got some, yeah. you got some, you got a long drive to think about some things. Eddie seems like a chill dude. Eddie seems cool as fuck. Um, I don't know. I just, I don't really understand the whole thing. I don't understand why Teresa is in town. Why she's staying in a hotel in Newport when she lives in Chino. She's doing like a week long catering gig, I guess, but they're paying her to stay at a hotel, which seems expensive when you, um, I just, none of it really makes sense to me. Yeah, I just it's... don't like this episode except for the Seth and Summer stuff. Mm-hmm. Also, and that's that's pretty much. It was kind of a mess. I feel like this this episode and the last episode were essential to set stuff up for future episodes, mm-hmm. but usually it just doesn't feel so much like a setup episode. Right. Um, yeah, I mean that's why the Seth and Summer storyline shines so much in the in these two episodes is because everything else is just kind of set up. But Ryan and, Teresa, Ryan and Teresa are making out. We don't know what they're going to date again. We don't really know what's happening. I will say that there was... Rosa made an appearance. There was a shout-out to Caitlin, who's still lurking around as well. Whenever Julie was in the hotel room, She's she gets a call. So many lurkers. Calls about Caitlin. She also says that Caitlin was supposed to be doing something with Chester. And Chester, I believe, is the kid from the first episode that Seth sits, sits with at the kids' table at the fashion show. Oh, how funny. He said you give oh, him yeah, sailing lessons. Like, that's a squad. So to just kind of wrap up, um, you know, the outfit of the episode is when Julie calls Luke for a booty call. Hell yeah. She is wearing a pink Gucci suit. Yes, on the golf course. A pink newsboy cap and huge buggy Gucci sunglasses. 
amazing. Bravo. That was such a bizarre scene because she was just at the golf course, randomly at the golf course, wearing this crazy outfit and calling Luke for a booty call. I was like, okay. Um, I think, so during the scene where Seth and Summer are doing the coffee the coffee cart confessional, um, there there is a song called Something Pretty by Patrick Park, which I believe is on one of the OC mixes one or two. Um, it's a really good song. Uh, yeah. No, that plays that, that plays whenever they, they do the standing on the table big kissing scene. I love it. That was honestly one of my favorite songs that came out of the OC mixes. I think we're in mix two territory now because Hello Sunshine was on mix two. Yeah. I know Patrick Park also has that song. It's called Life is a Song. It's the very last um, song you, they ever play on the OC. It's in the ending montage of season four um but to me i mean that's a great song the patrick park song is really good i personally chose for the song of the episode the song by um by a band called mojave three it's called bluebird of happiness and it's the song that played multiple times in the episode which is why i feel like it deserves it it played when ryan and Teresa were walking along the beach having ice cream it played when uh, marissa was talking with Teresa about ryan at the hotel room and it was playing again when ryan and Teresa kiss that was an interesting scene when Marissa and Teresa are kind of having a heart-to-heart because uh, Teresa kind of shares with her just, like, how she pictured her wedding day and why she's unsure that, like, Eddie is the one but in also, the picture. Yeah, but her. also that was another scene where really nothing happened. Marissa shows up and they talk and then Marissa leaves and it's like, what did we accomplish here? Nothing. It was well, dull. But anyways, I mean, it was real fun hanging out with you guys. That's, yeah. that's, the, summer, that's the summer disc? Is that what we said? It's the summer disc. It was it, m- much like summer as a character. Uh, there are parts of it that are amazing, but then just when you really start to like it, sometimes something bad can happen, there like those go. last two episodes. Who knew we'd miss Oliver so much so quickly? Um, okay. Oh. That's it. We'll be back uh, next week. We'll be doing the second to last disc, I believe. I don't remember what number it is. I don't know who's on it, but we'll be back next week. We'll be covering the four episodes on that disc. Um, if you want to reach out to us, you can find us on Instagram at Coenspod, C-O-H-E-N-S-P-O-D, or you can email us. I don't think anyone's emailed us yet. Uh, Coenspod at gmail.com. Uh, Dylan, do you want to talk about ratings and reviews? I do, especially because I I am one of the reasons why we could get fewer than five stars. Um, I promise you, listeners, that if there is something that bothers you about this podcast, first of all, I'm pretty sure it's something I'm doing. Um, but then also, let us know, because we make this show kind of for ourselves, but you know, without someone listening, we're just screaming about the OC into the void. So your reviews matter, your ratings matter. And I think we've almost made it to the front page of the um, iTunes, Apple podcasts page. If you type in the OC and Hell you all yeah. can help us do it, you can help us. You can be and a so part of if you, uh, if, uh, if you, you know, as, as uh, Leslie says on another podcast that I do, if you like what you hear, give us a rating. If you love what you hear, uh, write us a review. Um, it's the best way you can help this wee little show that we call keeping up with the Cohen. We'll catch you guys next week. See ya. See ya.